Hello, it is Tuesday, May 12th, 2020. I'm not sure what day it is of quarantine, but I do know that live sports came back in America this past weekend. UFC 249. Humans beat the living shit out of each other in there. It was awesome. We'll talk about it later with legend AJ Hawk. Also, Marshall Yonda stops by today for an incredible conversation. That son of a bitch lost 64 pounds. Yep. 64 pounds since he retired. Good conversation about being the best in the game. And also, Michael Lombardi stops by to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, Stephen Jones, Dak Prescott, and everything else going on in the world. Good conversation today. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I appreciate you so much for choosing to listen to this. If you like this show, remember to tell a friend. If you don't like it, just act like you never, ever listened to it at all. And as always, hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. Please tweet a picture of where you're listening to the show from. You might win some merch and you might be a part of something special we're putting together here at the end of the quarantine. I appreciate the hell out of all of you. You're the greatest. Let's get to it. Now is a man that is going to look like a complete stranger if you ever bump into him in Iowa or in the streets or at his Hall of Fame ceremony. This guy is an eight-time Pro Bowler, a Super Bowl champ, all-pro, all-decade team, guaranteed Hall of Famer, former offensive lineman, now retired from the Baltimore Ravens, Marshall Yonda. Yonda! boy, Marshall! Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Okay, was I, I have to ask just because visually it is alarming. Whenever you were playing yeah. the football, were you forcing yeah. food down your throat to stay at the weight you were at? And did you know you were going to go south instead of north once you retired? Well, that's for sure. I always ate a ton of calories, ton of carbs. always weighed myself every couple of days to make sure I was, you know, my playing weight was like 305 to 310. But I didn't know, like, how fast it was going to come off. But obviously I wanted to lose the weight. So after I retired, I just started, you know, hitting it up and uh eating less you know less food and uh working out and the weight has really fell you know fell off so i didn't really realize it in the time how much i was doing to keep that weight on but obviously it's really come off really fast i'm shoot i feel so much you know so much better so it's been great how much do you weigh now i weigh like uh about 248 where are you going to down you're going down do you have a set no so that's the thing i don't have I, I didn't have a plan a goal like hey i'm gonna get to this weight i don't even know i may stay you know in the 245 250 range i don't know but like you know the the day before the uh playoff game i weighed 312 so you know and that was in you know mid-january so 312 to like 250 man i mean just you know going up and down the stairs bending over you know just playing with the kids on the ground i mean just life is just so much better and i've like i said for a long time i've looked forward to dropping that weight watched a lot of guys get to do it i was i was waiting for my time for sure yeah jeff saturday lost a bunch of weight quickly who's that guy from the steelers alan fanica alan fanica yeah i seen those pictures those like he got into like marathon running got down to like 210 i mean i don't think i'll ever get that because i don't like running i hate running so i don't think (laughs) i'll ever get that uh that light but uh but yeah, some guys are really like they really like said a Fanica is a really good one. I think about this now that I'm trying to get into the running, as you just mentioned. I hate it, and I think in team sports, running is always punishment. It's like if you do something wrong, go run. So I think I've 100%. always I've always associated with okay, not only is this punishment, but I'm hating doing what I'm currently doing right now. And as soon as I decided I could stop running and, and be okay, I started doing that. Wait until a couple of years from now, though, Marshall. If you're not going to, I mean, granted, you're in much better shape than I am already. I think I weigh more than you currently. But in a couple of years after <laughs> retirement, those legs, once you start to get them back to life, they do not wake up as fast. 
No, I bet not. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you know, like I agree a hundred percent, just never liked to run was uh, just never a fan of it. You're right. I mean, it seemed like punishment and, and every time I would, you know, run on concrete, man, I just felt even worse. So I've just been riding a uh, exercise bike. You know, my wife had a Peloton. I've been crushing that Peloton and then getting in the sauna for like 30 minutes after. And that's really all I've been doing. All 35 right. minute Peloton work. I, I reached out to some other NFL guys, you know, Joe Thomas and Ben Grubbs and former players that I played with and uh, and asked for some advice too. And uh, in my college too, like my college strength coach, Coach Doyle, like he helped me out with like a diet plan and stuff. So I've been reaching out to people, but my main exercise has just been the bike. That's it. I haven't like ran one time, not one time. I'm going to get into that. I have a Peloton two feet away from my bed. It is currently used as a hanger, but I am going <laughs> to I am gonna get all the clothes off of it. And I am going to get onto it. Let's talk about your career because yeah. I said this yeah. I said this during the YouTube break, and if the radio people didn't hear it, Marshall Yonda is a player that in, no matter who you talk to, no matter who it is, it can be a corner, it can be another offensive lineman, it can be a D lineman. Everybody I've ever talked to that has met Marshall Yonda and watched him play has nothing but respect for your game. You're a guy that was just an absolute mauler but had incredible athletic ability. Whenever you go and you become an offensive lineman, you become this stud guard, then they ask you to move to tackle because they need a tackle. Like, how does that work? Are you just, because you're from Iowa and you grew up on a farm, you're just like, you need me to move humans, I'll do it however the hell you do it? Like, what is it that made you such a talented and gifted offensive lineman and moving of humans? I, it, a lot of that was like God-given ability, like just being able to be like stout, you know, number one, you got to have that to be an offensive lineman. But then obviously your mental approach and just how you, you know, you approach every single day to really take, you know, okay, God gave you those tools to be, you know, stout and firm in the run game, you know, get that farm strength from Iowa. But then obviously I really tried to like work at it every single day, every single year to really try to be a better player, better person, you know? So, I mean, it was a constant like um, addiction of, you know, wanting to be better, wanting to be more accountable, you know what I mean? Be there for my teammates, you know, in the, in the clutch part of the game or, you know, any aspect, I just continued to, you know, want to just squeeze out every inch of uh, ability I could, you know, do my part. And, uh, you know, and a lot of things like that opened a lot of doors of opportunity for me, you know, because the more work I put in, the more, you know, the better things that happened to me, the more opportunities, you know, just uh, being able to be, you know, you know, uh, relied on in the heat of the game, you know, like I, I want that on my shoulders. I want the man side on, you know, on three in third down when the game's on the line, I want the one-on-one block slide to the left and and put the right guard and the right tackle on the one-on-ones because you, you want that. So, I mean, it's just a, it's a mental approach, you know, and then obviously physically you got to have that first, but uh, I, I really believe it's a lot of mental uh, mental toughness. When did you decide that last year was going to be your final year? Was it going into the season? Was it middle of the season? What was um, it? So, no, it was a uh, accumulation of, like, 2017, I broke my ankle, and then I had shoulder surgery in the same year. So, like, week two, I broke my ankle, like, missed the year, and then I, I hurt my shoulder, like, that winter, too. So I had two off-season surgeries in 2017. So after that, I knew – that I was put on notice and I was like, hey, my body, you know, I've had enough surgery. So going into the 2018 season, if I would have got hurt, either 18, I was going to retire. Or even last year, if I got hurt, I was going to retire. So the last two years, I've been mentally prepared to, to retire if I got hurt again. Because at that point in 17, I was getting hurt a lot where I was, you know, trying to, my body was telling me something. I don't want to, you know, push it too far, right? But it was great. I got to play 18 and 19 started every game, got to play healthy and finish it the right way. So going into 19, I was like, you know what? 
you know, like, uh, I just, uh, you know, take it for what it is. And this is going to be it just because I didn't want to, you know, risk uh, getting, having another injury. Okay. You see Lamar Jackson, though, kind of come and do I, his, his, I know, <laughs> I, I know, I know. I, I, Hey, I get it. And trust me, like my retirement speech, I asked, I answered that question more than anything, you know, like, uh, you know, Peter King and people like, how can you quit now? You know, the team's like, you know, number one in the AFC, you know, you guys were 14 and two and like, I get it. Trust me. Like, that was the one of my best years, like regular seasons. That was the best year I'd ever had. That was the most fun I'd ever had in a regular season uh, atmosphere. But at the end of the day, I still had 13 seasons. I've still had eight surgeries on my body. You know, I've had three shoulder surgeries, three knee surgeries, ankle surgeries. So, I mean, I've had the wear. The wear and tear is still there in my body. And I was just not willing to risk another injury for another year. I just, I, I just, I just couldn't do it. I had like that rehab is life draining. Is, is what rehab is and i just had enough of it after 17 i was done i was like i'm done if i have another rehab that's it so i was just uh i was just mentally um uh you know done of the injuries for sure uh you had an incredible run obviously gonna be in the hall of fame not normal for an offensive lineman to to just be able to be the guy whenever you called upon um i always talk about how people don't respect or give enough respect to the rehab how miserable it is absolutely miserable yeah, let, let alone when you get is. out the metal thing and start scraping on your scar tissue like that's at the yeah. end of it i mean it's just it is not a fun experience so i can completely understand that can i talk to you yeah. ab about the run with lamar jackson though i've been asking course, this yeah. I've, I've been asking this question yeah defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to figure things out the wildcat offense came and took the world by storm and then it kind of disappeared lamar yeah. it feels as if this is something different it feels as if it doesn't matter the scheme lamar jackson is going to make it be lamar jackson like you have to still stop that guy what was it like yeah. with lamar jackson in the backfield as opposed to like a joe flacco or another type of quarterback yep i mean yeah just a complete 180 you know degree difference as far as you know Lamar just being able to get out in space and make everybody on the field miss. You know, I mean, normally when a quarterback gets out, you know, out in space, everybody on the field, he can make them miss, whether it's a linebacker, you know, in the secondary. So having that, uh, you know, him to be able to, to, to beat guys one-on-one -on -one and break tackles is like the number one key to, to making that entire offense go because they have to defend so much because he can go out, you know, go outside the pocket and really, really hurt you with his legs, not just get the first down, but he can get 40 yards and flip the field in one play. So I would say that's the biggest thing is that how his elusiveness as, a, as an athlete. And the tough thing is, like you said, with the Wildcat, his athletic ability doesn't come around, you know, very often. You know, they're going to sure. try to, like, find another Lamar Jackson. Well, that's really, really hard to do in the NFL to make grown guys miss, you know what I mean, the best in the world miss, you know what I mean, and, and out in the open space. Like, So I just feel like his skill set, athletic ability, and then obviously – he's developing as a passer too i mean we you know look what he did last year as a, as a passer you know and, and having that run that one two punch the run game and then with those uh the deep play action stuff so i just think his athletic ability is a very very rare you know occurrence in the and you know it's generational you know so i think that's the biggest factor uh, what what was he like as a quarterback? Because he's not putting in an easy position right there, right? They get rid of Flacco. Yeah. He comes in. They completely change the build of the team, right? You guys change the build of the team. Yeah. More tight ends and everything like that. How has he handled that yeah. as being the guy? So, you know, and I and obviously it's a transition, right? And like in, and last year, like it was like this, you know, when we went up. So I was kind of uh, curious to see how he was going to handle it too. Just because, you know, he's 22 years old. He's a kid, That's right? Tough. You know what I mean? He's so young. There's so much like the, you know, and all the fame and all that. And gosh, the, the guy handled it great. You know what I mean? He's a humble, 
hardworking guy. And he says it, uh, you know, in, uh, in the media and stuff that I'm just one of the guys. Well, in the locker room, he, it is that that is true. He is one of the guys. He he's uh, you know he's he's not above anybody. He doesn't have any of that ego. There's none of that. Hey, I'm the quarterback. I'm the I'm the me guy. I'm the most important guy. Like none of that. So it's like I, I it was a pleasant surprise to see the success he had. He stayed humble, he stayed hardworking, and then at the end of the day, football is number one in his life. You know what I mean? Like we meet all types of guys in the locker room that are oh, yeah. motivated by whatever. I don't even care if you don't like football, but if football is number one priority in your life, I can deal with everything else. And guys that play that way and, and respect the game like that and understand that, that's guys that you go to war with. So I um so he's football is number one in his life. And, uh, and it's just, uh, it was awesome to watch that kid grow every single week and do what he did. I mean, I was just happy to be a part of it. Cause I mean, that was, uh, like I said, that was a special run for sure. I thought whenever you retired, that was going to be a massive piece that they're going to have to fill because when your offense is a, a run first style offense, that has to have the threat of a run for it to operate losing this steadfast, all pro guard in there is going to be a problem for you what do you think now granted this is going to be a horrible question to ask you because you'll be so humble in your answering though (laughs) but do you think that if they get an offensive line again or somebody that another Marshall Yonder won't come but how will they replace that is there ways to to fill that like I don't understand I don't think well I mean I I I really think you know just it starts with the top down you just the way the Ravens are built you know with with Steve Bishotti and Eric DaCosta and Ozzy the way they you know the way they you know draft people and their whole like you know philosophy on drafting guys and having guys in place so like you know they have a couple of guys on the roster from last year that played really well you know one guy came Matt Skura's are going to be coming back from a knee injury and then they got a couple other guys on the team that did well and then of course they draft two offensive linemen they always draft these mid-round guys and I was a mid-round guy I was a third round guy and sooner or later they're going to hit on them yeah they're probably not going to hit like they did on me right that's being honest just but not gonna if you can have the the entire five guys you know pick up the slack for the one they're going to do that and they're making those plans and they they definitely will they drafted a third and a fourth rounder and they got some really young guys. They have a really good group of offensive linemen, and it's it's a special group for sure. So they'll pick the slack up. I agree. You know, the, the guy that's going to play is going to have a ton of pressure, and there's going to be a lot of risk, but he's not going out there alone. He'll have four other linemen with him, and to- collectively as a group, those guys will be fine just because of how the Ravens, how they do, go about business, everything. So, I mean, yeah, I'll be tough to replace, but they'll they they've been planning. They knew the last couple of years that I was about done. So they've been they've been prepared for this. We have to go to a break on radio, but we'll stick with you here on YouTube. Three, two, one. See you later. Great have a great weekend. And we're back. Okay. Um whenever you're done with sorry, we radio, you I mean yeah. there, there's a lot going no, it's on. It's all good. It's all in here. You know what I mean? It's all in yeah. here, Yonda. Um whenever you talk about football and you explain things you're an incredible speaker here like this is i feel like i'm learning a lot right now are you going to get into television or are you going to go back and be on a farm in iowa no i'm gonna uh we're gonna go back to iowa my wife's from iowa i'm from iowa we're gonna uh but i tell you what though we're gonna take it one day at a time and figure it out right i mean you know to say that i'm gonna go back to iowa and uh and go do this go do that and have all these uh you know, these expectations. I really don't know just because football has been in my life, my entire life since seventh grade, I've been playing football in the fall. It's my life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all I know. So I'm just going to take it, you know, one day at a time, you know, my goals, you know, and everything just, you know, families first, you know, time with my family. I got a wife and three kids and, uh, and, you know, put them, you know, at the forefront and, and figure your life out after that. Now, 
like I said, we're going to go back to Iowa and just take it, you know, day by day and see how it goes and, and follow our hearts. But, uh, but it, like I said, it's in five years, I don't know exactly where we're going to be, but, uh, but I'll have my family and we'll be, uh, we'll be living life. So are you going to get into coaching maybe? Um, you know, I just think that the, the time commitment to the, the pro level and the college level is just too much, um, too much of a sacrifice for, uh, for my family time. You know, those coaches really give up a lot when they, uh, you know, when they're in the building all those hours. Are you getting a tackle set or what? I just, I didn't know if you wanted to coach me up a little bit here. I, <laughs> I do public pass sets on people randomly in public, and I just want uh-huh. to hear. Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Just want your initial report. Let's not judge right. me for being 250. Let's act like I'm 312. <laughs> All right, 312. All right, you're in a pass set. All right, number one, you got to stay square out of your set. All right, square, set. So your shoulders, yep. And when you when you get out of your set, those shoulders got to stay square. I got to be able to see the back of your numbers when you're as you're setting off the ball. We can't have you turn it. We can't have you turning sideways because then that gives the defender a two-way go. So. Do your quads get fucking tight when you're sitting? <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I, you know what? I, you know what? I'm happy that I ain't got to worry about that that shit anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ready? You ready? Yes. Yep. A good stagger. Boom! 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 Yep. There you go. Yep. It's easy looks, as that. that, looks, that that looks good until until Von Miller's coming your way. You know, everybody looks good until contact happens. You know, I've you know you meet a lot of ton of offensive linemen. It's like, gosh, they got the best feet in the world. They look great, and then once contact happens, you're like, wow, that's a different guy. So, who's somebody you played against that uh, maybe like your? I don't want to say welcome to the NFL moment because that's so cliche. But who was somebody you played against that was like, damn, I did not expect that. Oh man, there was a lot of them. I, I mean, I, I feel like you know the NFL is such a humbling experience. You know what I mean? And you will. I mean, it doesn't. You know, there is a ton of them. I mean, gosh. But I just think like the the guys, my battles that I had, like just JJ Watt back in like in the 2011, 2012. We had some like awesome battles. So Geno Atkins. You know, he was in the. He's in our, our division. I played Geno twice a year for ten years. And like when Geno's on his stuff, like he's he. You know, he deserves a heck a ton of respect. And then, but I mean, like the, the guy at the top of the game right now, you watch him on film is just Aaron Donald for like an interior lineman. The guy's just unblockable, like at times, like literally, like we played him on Monday Night Football and the week before I'm watching them on TV, I'm just watching him just on the couch and like he's winning every single play. Like even if he's not getting like getting the ball carrier, he's beating his man. So it's like, you know, that guy deserves a ton of credit too. But, but that's the thing about the NFL, you know, uh, there's a ton of guys that you know, even the the high name guys. There's a ton of quality everywhere where you got to respect every single opponent. So, you know, Aaron Donald trains with knives during the offseason. <laughs> Did you see that video? Dang. He trains with knives. <laughs> it's all of the hands, right? Because the hands, it's all in your hands, right? That's the biggest. Robert Mathis is currently training uh, defensive ends and D linemen, and they do all this yep. hand work. Have you seen yep. like the evolution of D linemen throughout your time in the NFL? I, I assume it used to be a lot a little different. Now it's a lot of athletes out there. Well, yes, but I feel like it's definitely specific to each guy, like how how they win and how they you know use their hands and their hips. You know, what I mean, like you have to have really good hips too with those hands because yeah, you can get your hands and get their hands. You still got to get around the guy. So I still feel like it's not just the hands; it's a it's an accumulation of you know the speed and the power and his hips to get by. Like Aaron's got really good hips to where when he makes that hand move to swipe, he can get those hips around too, and he's and he's super explosive. So. It's a combination of things, and you go against guys over the years that have just unique skill sets. But like Geno Atkins, his number one move is the bull rush. He literally will like run you over, like put like the biggest, strongest guys on their head, like when they know it's coming. 
literally, you know what I mean? Like, so his, his strength is the bull rush and then he, everything else uh, sets up off the bull rush. Now, Aaron Donald's strength is that hand swipe and, 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 you know, getting to the edge, but then he'll, he'll bull you as a changeup. So every guy has different ways they win. And obviously that's, you know, you study them and you get after them. So you know that. Yeah, I was about to say, do you study them? Like, I think batters potentially study pitchers on what their tendencies are and what they're going to come yeah. out early. Is that something you're looking for with these? Heck, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I always talked about, you know, I, the, the young offensive lineman. I say, you know, when I'm playing an opponent, I, I take the last six games that they, they played against coming up to our game. I'll watch their tape, and I don't watch just like a third down cut up or like the sack cut up. I want to watch the entire game from, you know, play one to the last play because I want to know, and then obviously you can see the what what quarter it is, what time it is, what the score is. So you know, so when it's like money downs and the game's on the line, you know, sometime in the third or fourth quarter, what is he doing to win? You know what I mean? Like when, every, when all the chips are down, the tape don't lie. So it's there if you want to, you know, utilize it. So you watch that for six games and you you break down and you just continue to watch what he does. It's there what he needs to do when he needs to win. What's his favorite move? You know what I mean? Like when it's you know, and you're just sitting there wait. You're just sitting there waiting on it too because you've had to film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you still have to react and be a player. But son of a gun, a lot of guys don't like take advantage of those like those little details of watching that film. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's kind of a lost art where guys you know they their iPads are in their house for you know three weeks with a dead battery. But like, if you really want to be great, that's a big tool to use. You know, yeah. So you mentioned Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald, who are like six one and more like short and powerful type guys. And then you yeah. mentioned JJ, who's taller. Like, is and like I know you get like the Colts just got DeForest Buckner. Like, is there a type that you would rather go up against? Yeah, I want the tall guys all day long. Just because, like, a tall guy like us, like, you, you hop and refit your hands, and then you, you gain that leverage. So, like, I, I like the tall guys because you can get leverage sooner or later on those guys. Like, Gino and Aaron, especially Gino, if you hop and refit, you can never get under him because he's on that angle of him being, like, a short, power, extremely powerful guy. There's literally no stopping him. It's literally dying a slow death. Like if he's pushing you back in the quarterback, what you want to do is die the slowest death possible. But sooner or later, yeah, exactly. And hop, hop, brace, hop, like and refit and like. But there's no like when he's bull rushing. There's nobody that's literally going to stop him in his tracks. He will walk you back to the quarterback. You just want to go as slow as possible. I mean, that's just that's just that's that's just being real. Do you chirp? Did you chirp at all, or were you quiet? No, no, no. I'm quiet. quiet <laughs> yeah. Not a single word on the field, huh? Oh, I, I thought you meant when I was stopping a bull rush. No, I mean, if no. there's a, I, I will. Like when there's young guys that are talking too much crap and they haven't done shit in the NFL, <laughs> I let them know. <laughs> I do. I say, listen here, young buck. You just got on this field. You haven't done nothing. Shut the f up. You know what I mean. And we ain't gonna listen to your crap. You know, just because some guys are trying to talk crap when they're too young, and and even I even like get uh, frustrated with guys in the locker room when they're they're too young and they haven't done nothing and they haven't earned the respect. But they just want to talk. They want to try to you know do all that other stuff. But yeah, I I, uh, I I still try to do as much of the young guys of uh, less is more in the talking department and and you know. Earn your earn your respect on the field because there's you know I mean just with everything now guys get so blown up by the time they get to the NFL their egos are so damn high and when they're like that they don't get any better you know what I mean when you feel like you're the man and like I am like the best guy on the field you have no room for improvement but if you actually feel like hey I can get better today and I like I'm not as good as I should be you are going to squeeze out every ounce it's a mindset I think it's a I think it's a tactical advantage and I think 
ton of guys don't they don't do it they're they're it's easy just to be the man i'm the man i'm the man you know you gotta remember though they have height whenever they declare in college there's a special yeah. on espn for these fucking kids and then there's two yeah. million people following them on instagram because they're highlights from high school playing against little white kids and then in college they're on national tv every single weekend and then they get to the yeah. nfl and now all of a sudden it's like oh, this guy's been here for 14 years. This guy's made so much more money than me. And if all those specials were around whenever he was young, his specials probably would have been much bigger than mine. But I can't see that because the world that I've lived in has been a fluff piece, basically. And now I'm going against grown-ass men. That's a hard thing for them, I think, too, because they've literally been told that they're the greatest for so long. And then you get dropped into a locker room full of the greatest. And that whole adjustment, I saw that, by the way, towards the end of my career is a very different locker room than at the beginning of my career. I, I agree. I 100% agree with you. But I mean, the good thing is, though, that at the end of the day, the NFL is a very humbling experience. Yeah. And I agree. Like a, a coach said at one time, this business will bring you to your knees, you know, real fast. And a lot of guys, obviously, they have to fall real hard for them to understand that, listen, this ain't high school or college anymore. This is grown ass men. And we're taking care of our families here. And you better believe that it's on, you know, and I, I yeah, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Man, Marshall, yeah. I'll tell you what, you look nothing like what I thought you were going to look like on the other <laughs> well, side. I know, man. I mean, like, I actually, like, I've had a beard for over 10 years to always camouflage my round face, okay? When you're 310, there's nowhere to do. You might as well do some camouflage. And so, like, when I dropped, like, 30 pounds and I shaved my beard, I'm like, I actually have a chin line. You know, first time having a chin line since, like, freshman year of high school. So, like, so I'm actually bought an electric razor and, like, Cause like my family's like, why are you shaving your face? I'm like, cause it's something different that I haven't gotten to do in like 15, 20 damn years. So I'm excited. It's so funny that all offensive yeah. linemen have a body image issue. Every offensive lineman <laughs> I've ever met hates it. Oh, they're fat. No, yeah. Nothing fits right. You're always hot and sweaty. You know, like you, the clothes don't fit, you know, you're just, it's, it's an uncomfortable, like, uh, you know, just this uncomfortable deal, but that's just part of it. I mean, you, you know, have to you know, be, you literally you have, have to oh, be. There's no, there's no question. I mean, it's either that or, or don't play. It's either that or get, or get, get run over out there on Sundays. And that, and that ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, I can't thank yeah. you enough for sticking around this long. You're the man. Yeah. Hey, one yeah, man. topical question. When the yeah. schedule would come out, when the schedule was re- released, right? For me, yeah. I would look where am I kicking in December? And are we going to Denver? When are we going to Denver? That's what I would look at, right? For an offensive lineman, is there anything coming out of that schedule? Maybe it's when am I getting Geno Atkins? When am I getting JJ Cameron? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, hundred percent. I look. I look at all my uh, all my battles, you know. And obviously, Geno, you know, you got him twice a year in our in our division. So our division games, you kind of know what you got. But uh, but it was those non conference games that I that you looked at, and just and then the the schedule, obviously, where is that? Because, like, if you got, you know, say back in the day, if I had J.J. Uh, Watt on the road in Houston, that's that's a, that's a big game because Houston gets super loud and and obviously the crowd. And Turn you got, down you go, for what? I mean, yeah. the whole I mean, city place, is on that guy's yeah, back. Yeah, that place could could rock, you know. So, like, those those environments versus those, like, key matchups, yeah, you, you definitely um, – you just bookmark those in your brain that you got, you know. Just like last year when the schedule came out, we had Aaron Donald on Monday Night Football in L.A. You best you best believe that like I, I I you know bookmarked that one instantly you know so yeah so that's that's how we that's how I did it for sure hey, they I've always wondered this they say defensive linemen don't like the cold don't like uh, sloppy weather they don't like the cold offensive linemen yeah. love the cold love the sloppy weather is that an accurate stereotype 
Well, no, because you'll meet one offensive lineman that loves it like me. I absolutely love the cold, and the colder the better. Now, like the other four guys on the offensive line last year for the Ravens, well, not all of them, but most of them like they would, if you had to pick, they would like the warmer weather. Huh. I, I, I still don't get it. I mean, because they don't like playing in the cold, but I absolutely love the cold because I always overheat in the summer. And, and you're always fighting the, um, the hydration battle and cramping and not being able to breathe either. You know what I mean? Like you just can't, when you're so big, you just don't get your, your lungs back. You can't recover even when you get to the sidelines. So, but my biggest um, argument is, have you ever been exhausted, dead tired? Like you feel like, you know, heat stroke is going to get you when it's 20 degrees. It's not, it's no. never happened. Never happened when it's 20 degrees, but obviously when it's 90 degrees down in Miami and you're literally like, about ready to collapse that's i th- those are the worst games for me is like when when you're fighting that heat exhaustion i hate the heat so hey i liked i liked it nice and hot i liked it nice <laughs> and hot get I that know, yeah i don't have to run so get the ball fat let me hit a home run here and let's just yep. jog off let me get the fan too let me get the mister let me get the cold water hell you need some marshall here you go now get the fuck out of my face okay all right i'll go back over here towards the fan don't worry yep. about yeah what yep. a life what a life yep. hey you're a legend, man. I hope you get to join us again. I enjoyed this conversation yeah. a lot. Yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate it. No problem. Safe travels back to Iowa. Congratulations on an incredible run in Baltimore. You're a legend. Future Hall of Famer, Marshall Yonda. Yeah. Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa Mattress is a the mattress that I'm laying on currently uh, next to my lady and our pit bull and Sharpay. Chuck the Corgi now sleeps outside the room. Locked out, still inside the house, outside of the bedroom. But he can kind of run and shit and piss wherever the hell he wants, just outside of the bedroom because he gets a little bit bossy with the bed and where he puts his ass out on the pillows and stuff like that. But I can't blame him because when you get a chance to sleep on a Lisa mattress, you take advantage of it. This is the most comfortable bed I've ever been on. And this bed showed up at my front door in a box. That box was unpacked in less than five minutes, and whammy, the best mattress I've ever slept on is now in my bedroom, thanks to Lisa. That's what they do. Lisa took this car salesman aspect out of the mattress shopping business. No longer do you got to go lay on. No, you can't now, obviously, because quarantine, which is good news. New bed can come. Probably wearing out your bed right now, whether it's making love or just laying on your ass, doing whatever you got to do to get through this whole thing. New bed can come in a couple of days bang in a box to your front door, unpack it, put it in the bedroom. You got the most comfortable mattress you've ever had. And for right now, you get up to $200 off and free shipping at lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com. It'll be worth it. It's changed our entire sleep. I mean, it's really good stuff. Lady, do you agree? Love it. She loves the mattress. See, lady, she's obviously a lot lighter than I am, smaller than I'm than I am. You would think, oh no, the bed won't be able. They did all the studies. They did all the science. It's great for all body types. Just like this show. Oh, smooth transition, winning awards for that type of stuff. We are live. How's it going? Uh, welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Pat McAfee, the first half of that name. <laughs> and over my left shoulder and to your right on the screen, Mr. A.J. Hawk. <laughs> oh, boy, A.J. Yeah! 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 Number two. 
So what am I looking at? You're looking at me. What is? Is there something over your left shoulder, or do you guys someone put that in digitally? Oh yeah, this is you taking a shit. Look at your tiny <laughs> little legs. Can you zoom in on that for me? I can't really. I can see. <laughs> I can see the facial expressions. I have no wow. idea how we got this, who gave it to us, but I'm very grateful for it because now we have that forever. What is he sitting on? Oh, it's censored. It's too. a toilet, it's right? Is that oh, he's got the uh, that uh, that picture of that one porn star guy who passed away. Rest in peace. His dong hanging down. Oh. oh, look at that picture of you flipping off. Uh, you know, what's this one? Oh, oh not no. my commission. Oh, oh, no. No. You gotta cross that out. Oh no! <laughs> we need to improve it. Is this a ball Wait, go? Is this a pic? Is this? It's not a painting. Who like? Who sent this to you? I have no idea. To be honest, it just got pulled out of the oh, case. Yeah. Uh, look at those little baby legs. Who is that guy? That's you. <laughs> That's you. Look at the lighters oh, down. Oh, look at your hey oh, and cigars. It is AJ. Who no, is you? We were wondering there for a little bit. Once <laughs> we saw the cigars, though, it had to be the case. Yeah. How'd you get that picture of me? I thought that was between myself and my wife. <laughs> well. I think your wife sent it to somebody who then got it precocious and then sent to us, which is a beautiful thing. I have no idea. Does anybody know who sent that in? Huh. Nah, I forget. No a lot man. of talented people out there, as I say, Pat. So many talented people, including a bunch of human cockfighters this past weekend. The first live sport in America since the quarantine happened was a UFC 249, which I was a part of, obviously a couple other people. And human cockfighters got in there and put on a great show. People had been saying that this was going to be a great stacked card. There was going to be a lot of action. You got a lot of killers out there. And it held up to the case. That big guy, the big guy that was swinging like this who just knocked the son of a bitch out real hard that was awesome then the uh, thug nasty kid from arkansas putting moves in that you only see in professional wrestling that he was doing to people and then obviously cejudo and the boys getting after it greg hardy didn't really impress me that much but i understand he's going to become a good fighter is what everybody said i enjoyed watching that and there was some real carnage we're talking about some really fucked up faces after these fights and that is not normal that doesn't happen anymore and i i loved what the ufc did and i think it was a massive of success what were some of your takeaways as an mma expert well uh, definitely not an mma <laughs> mma expert by any means just like anybody else yeah, um it started out from the jump like the prelims before that were on espn that started at 7 p.m i believe or 8 p.m eastern whatever it was those were like sam sam alvey i think was the first fight on the card the dude is an absolute warrior uh but like i don't even know there's so many great fights on the card when you were saying the big guy that was swinging Lunch pails or whatever you, you call his fist. That was Francis Ngannou, the, the 20-second oh. knockout, right? Oh, Ngannou. Now, I don't, I don't know much about the fighting sport, but that literally looked like when, those, when the bears get on their back feet and they just start running yeah. at each yeah. other. And I've always had a plan for if a bear does that to me, you don't play dead like to tell you. You just move out of the way, you see. I don't think it's ver – I think what that guy did who was fighting Ngannou, what he did wrong was he didn't just move to the side because it felt like that was a freight train coming right down at him, and he just sat at the end of the tracks and said, come and knock me the fuck out. He missed five times. I don't know how many professional fights I've seen somebody just miss – Miss, miss, whoo, dead. I don't know if that even happens anymore. That guy might be my new favorite fighter of all time. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Francis Ngannou is such a scary dude. And like you said, he missed so many times, but all he needs is one. And Daniel Cormier, who was commentating, like when he was watching the replay, did you hear me? He's like, look at this guy. He's like, his chin's up. He doesn't care. Like his chin is all right there for anyone to hit. And, and DC keeps saying that. I'm like, yeah. But DC said it like a, in a respectful way, like knowing – yeah, his chin may be up, but good luck 
fighting through the barrage of these monsters I'm throwing at you because one of them, I didn't even have to connect 80%. If I hit you with 70% of one of these, you're going out for the night. Well, the guy that's commentating that isn't DC or Rogan, the other guy, what's his name? John Anik. John Anik. He's good. I enjoy listening to him. He's he, great. He basically said, like, every fighter should be scared of this guy. And DC was like, well, I'm definitely not scared of him. Like, let's not get crazy here. I, I wonder if DC was trying to angle himself to potentially fight that guy. I mean, DC could could absolutely fight him if he said he wanted to. He and did. DC even told you, like, I would, I would have taken him down already. He, did. he literally said that. And, and by the way, from an untrained eye here, and as a guy who trained in the same gym as DC one time, <laughs> I want to let you know, me and Cormier trained in the same gym. I was out there at Jay Glazer's gym. Uh, we're at uh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable? Yeah. yeah I, it was a wild day. I walk in. We're not allowed to play music because Jay's doing something. And I'm like, well, this gym is the worst gym of all time. Then he stops filming something. Then the music gets going. And then I start seeing like these incredible athletes start walking. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest gym of all time. And then uh, a guy set, has a shirt on and says, I break bones. As in Chris Bones Jones, I break bones. And it was Cormier. And I was like, oh, I wonder... I wonder what nephew of his is fighting, uh, fights Chris Jones or, 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 or uh, yeah. John Jones? So John Jones, there it is. It fights John Jones. And uh, it turns out it was him. And I was like, man, that guy is going to fight John Jones? Because I knew John Jones at the time because Arthur, I had met him through Arthur Jones, who was on our team. I was like, that guy is going to fight John Jones? And they were like, yeah, that guy's a killer of it. I was like, well, he looks like a guy who needs to get in shape or whatever. And then you watch him fight. I'll tell you what, he's an impressive, on the microphone he's very good, and in fighting he's very good. He's an impressive individual. I think he's like 40 years old too at this point. Oh yeah. I mean, that's I, I became a Cormier fan over the weekend watching these fights, and one of the fighters said that he even gave him a heads up. He was like, oh, and I heard DC say to do blah, 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 <laughs> or whatever. And Cormier Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy said it changed the whole fight. He's like, yeah, it's crazy. I can hear DC commentating because there's no fans here, and he told me to start checking these leg kicks, and I did, and it was like a whole new game after that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that guy, Greg Hardy, I guess he's just sleeping and eating, fighting at the moment. Um, yeah, he's doing well. What about, did you see where, so Dominic Cruz got that beat by Henry Cejudo, like controversial stoppage, supposedly. Kind of broken. Cruz says, I was climbing up, like I, I was trying to stand up. You shouldn't call a fight. Yeah, maybe, but he was eating some shots from Cejudo. But you see Dom Cruz said the, the referee uh -huh. smelled of alcohol and cigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he came out and started. Let's question the guy that made the decision, too, a little bit. This guy was drunk and smoking in between the rounds because he had nobody to check him because there's nobody within the four-mile radius. I enjoyed that. And I guess that, that Gage G? Gage G, yeah. yeah. Hey, he's a killer out there. I told you, Pat. Didn't I tell you last week? Like, he's one of the most exciting fighters ever. But how in the world did Tony Ferguson eat that many shots? <sighs> I don't know. Just like the same guy that didn't tap out to uh, Thug Nasty's... Uh, uh, triangle choke. I believe he had him on triangle, and then he almost had him in a twister choke. Ooh. Some of these dudes are just so much tougher than I could ever fathom. I mean, how about that one guy's eyeball is just broken, and then Ferguson's eyeball is broken as well, but that one guy's broken eyeball, can't see anything, and he's he knows he just got his ass kicked, and he's just flexing into the camera. I'm like, these maniacs, man. I have no idea how they do it. Big weekend for the UFC. Very good idea here for the UFC to get in ahead of everything else and put on a hell of a fight card like that. How uh, I guess how many I'm curious now when the numbers come out what kind of oh. pay-per-view buys did this draw because it had to get so many and a lot of people I think I couldn't figure got messed up going from ESPN then you got to have ESPN plus I know you had issues because you never you haven't bought a pay-per-view since they've been with ESPN it is 
it, there's an extra step in the process, no doubt. Well, I always thought that I could just get it on my mm-hmm. TV. I can you normally used to be able to. Yeah, now I can't. I, I, just charge me more to let me just do it on my TV, so I don't. Because then I had to. I don't have a smart TV in my bedroom, and for some reason my Apple TV back there hasn't been working, so I couldn't mirror the thing to the thing. I had to. We had to get a laptop out that we didn't even know if it worked anymore. I mean, I was not enjoying the whole process, but I did it to watch those humans try to kill each other. I did it, but it was not the easiest process, and I would assume that might have drove some people away. But I, I'm thinking big old numbers on that fight for good reason. It was a great product. Did you have fun when when Thug Nasty continued to go after the Twister? How juiced Joe Rogan and DC got? Like I don't fully, I don't com- claim to understand what the Twister is exactly. I know it's kind of rare to get it in, in like in a competition like this, but they were so excited if he actually finished off that Twister. Well, I think it's like a joke of a move. I'd assume like hey, I, I, like I don't think that's an easy thing. It's like the old banana split they used to talk about whenever you're wrestling. Did, did you ever hear about this? I had some no. friends that were like legit top wrestlers maybe in america at one point the pellegrini and sean claire used to be like i think the pellegrini mm-hmm. was on team america or whatever one of their kids but i somehow was linked up with these two kids who were the best wrestlers maybe in i don't know i don't want to speak out of turn they were very good though whatever they were and for some reason i was friends with these two and i was in a, like whenever i was younger and i was in a living room with them and it, it for some reason it turned into wrestling practice and i i should not have been where i was at and <laughs> how, of, how old were you uh, maybe seventh, 12 seventh eighth grade yeah. yeah maybe like 12 or 11 years old or whatever and okay. we we're in we we're in a wide open living room and uh it just was i was not supposed to fucking be there but while <laughs> i was it, wait while, did this get sexual is that where you're going <laughs> no 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 it was getting it was getting to the point where i had to like really defend myself but the other guy was like don't let him okay. put don't let him put the banana split or whatever on it <laughs> and that's when you grab they grab your legs and they try to like you know rip your groin apart or whatever. Is that what that's oh, called? Because yeah. all the wrestling kids yep. love just touching and grabbing you, and they put you in a splatel, and your crotch is basically ripped in half. Yeah, and it's like they, they, they can't do that to each other normally. So, so it's like if you're an amateur, a noob, they yeah, can get you. Now, granted, I outweighed both of these guys. So I was able to save myself. It was only they, were, they went at it a little bit or something like that. We were talking about something, and they started doing the whole thing, <laughs> like the head slapping thing they started doing. And I was just sitting there like, oh, okay, this is going to get interesting. And then all of a sudden, one of them won, and then they're like, all right, you're, like it was practice. Like that, It was like, okay. Now you're up. I'm Next like, man up. How long? And I weigh 30, 30 pounds more than both of them at the time. I'm like, I'm not doing this. And then they tried to like, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, if we would have, that's embarrassing for you or whatever. I think that's what the twister is. Like, I think the twister is something that happens on like amateurs. I'm not sure professionals are able to get it on. Like, I think that's like a, you know, like a pretty big thing for him to be. Thug Nasty was trying his best to get it done. though. that guy. Yeah, I don't know how uh, – you don't see it happen too often in, in the UFC, but I don't know. I'm not sure, like, people that are true jiu-jitsu guys, like, I don't know if it's something that's – I don't think it's a joke, but I think it's just very hard to do. That's You could probably do it to me. Like, I'd assume they didn't. Oh, they could mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah, they could Whoa. lock me and you up in anything. Probably. <laughs> okay. All right. Jesus. Thought you were just... No, I'm not claiming to be able to defend anything when it comes to that. I tapped out six times in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> And then I yeah. couldn't even do it with my arms because they were breaking both my arms. I had to do it with my feet. It's not good. Can you verbally tap, too? You could. Well, I couldn't breathe. I mean, when, <laughs> when, you got, when you got humans just laying on top of you like that. Mitrione, Matt Mitrione, uh, whenever he gets that big body on top of you and starts yanking on your arms and stuff, there's not a lot of talking to do there. It's just a lot of praying, though. There's a split. There's a split right there. Look at that. Jeez. Oh, no. Can you show me? That oh, po- 
That poor guy. <laughs> That's what that guy. Wait, this guy did this in the living room to you? He was trying. He didn't get me. He was trying. But there was a lot of like, don't let that. Like the other guy was like, don't let it happen. Like, do not let this happen to you right now. It was almost like I, I would have had to walk home if it would have happened. Like, it was like yeah, this is like getting it's like getting posterized in the NBA. Uh-huh. Like if you get dunked on by somebody. That's probably what the twister is in a jujitsu world. It's like getting dunked on. Because so many things have to happen. Your leg has to get in. Your leg has to be in the wrong spot. Your arm has to be in the wrong spot. And your neck has to be in the wrong spot. So I, I assume that that is not something that normally happens whenever you're doing this kid's it. This so happy he got this move done. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's going to talk about it. He's probably got that framed. Look at him. He's like, I can't believe. I cannot believe we pulled this off. Yeah, it's not supposed to happen. That poor kid on the bottom, though. <laughs> yeah, the, the poor kid in the blue singlet is never going to live this down, especially now that we just re-upped it. He probably, he probably had to move. I could probably. They were yeah. talking to me as if somebody who never wrestled before. If it happened to me, I would have had to move. That's probably what would have happened to this guy. All right, uh, UFC was awesome. Put on a great card. Uh, if this sh- happened in UFC, though, would you have gone crazy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I, by the way, I don't know why those two guys that I just mentioned didn't get into. I watched them knock out uh, probably well, six people. Well, there's. Some, I mean, we want. I mean, I watched them knock out six people at one time. I was. I was where are we at right now? Was that a Sandcastle downtown. Oh, okay. That's a, uh, what is Sandcastle? Water park. It's a water park in Pittsburgh, and we just were roaming around or whatever. Somebody took uh, uh, a raft from where they shouldn't have taken it, apparently. And they they were much older than us. They were like 17, 18-year-old kids. These two did not care. They And by the way, those older kids, they probably never had to live that down either. They got their asses beat by a couple 12-year-olds. I mean, they got their fucking asses beat. <laughs> Two 12 year old kids just beating the they hell up. They were short. They were not tall, though. They were short. I mean, it was, stocky. I mean, they were yeah. probably wrestling they like 131. Brick shit house. Bro, they were, they were, it was awesome to watch them go to work. It was, and then this UFC thing started. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be, and then never happened. I don't know why. They should. Maybe they're not like that anymore. I, I haven't talked to them in a long, long time. Anyways. <laughs> They beat the fuck out of the. It was like a move. Did they put them in a Wait, splay what were you doing no? during this, though? Me? Yeah. It popped off. I was standing there. I think I might have got like one guy. I might have got tangled up with one guy. But they were like, it was like a movie at that point. It wasn't even. And then obviously security and cops come out. We get kicked out. What, we're 15 minutes into this thing. I don't even think we wrote a slide yet. I mean, it was, what, $70 to get into, I think. Oh, yeah. It's a great decision. I'm sure it was awesome, but. Yeah, I think I tangled up with like one guy, and then they just took out everybody else, and it was like, Jesus Christ! Be careful you should hang out with those guys more often. They were it was awesome, but then whenever it's just you three, you know, at some point it's going to get to the wolves. Have to do wolf shit, and I, I almost got my my legs ripped off at the seams. Let's go to Shaq and Mark Cuban. Both think that the NBA season should be scrapped. The NBA call on Friday, Silver told players the NBA still wants seven-game series, and that could move faster if there was no travel like in Orlando or in Las Vegas, which is possible, I guess, everywhere. Says to be prepared to play with no fans next year if there's no vaccine. Okay, so they're talking about next year, talking about needing a vaccine. I would assume that all the commissioners are going to be in the same page here because I don't think one league can do something, another league can't, because if it works out or doesn't work out, you'll be judged forever for it. But I assume the no vaccine no fans thing is a real conversation happening amongst a lot of people, which is interesting to me. But then the thing that really gets it going here is if they were to have a biodome, like little squirrely, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore. Who were you going to say? I thought you were going with Sonic the Hedgehog. We talked about he him is a little squirrely guy. Yeah, he is a squirrely guy. That <laughs> oh, my good. kids watched that. The Jim Carrey. They loved it. Thank oh. you. Good movie. Your kids and I got good taste. But if they were to do this biodome thing. 
I like the thought of it as a fan. I think Shaq is like, just scrap it because there's always going to be an asterisk. Now, a lot of people are saying potentially Shaq doesn't want LeBron to win a ring in L.A. You know, a lot of people are saying that. Those people, I think, are wrong. I think the reason why Shaq doesn't want it to happen because it's like you got free agency that has to happen after this. You got a lot of things that could potentially go wrong. There's a lot that could potentially happen, and I think it's going to be a lot to figure out. But for me, I would like to see a March Madness-style tournament with NBA players in Vegas, Orlando. I would absolutely love it. So I know Mark Cuban and Shaq don't love it for whatever reasons, but for me, as a fan, I think this would be electric. Yeah, I do too, and I think they the fact that it's not going to be a full season, like you can do the Biodome thing where you could get teams and enough people quarantined in one spot. But where are we at? Are we, is the NBA – doesn't it feel, first off, like the NBA was two years ago, like when it shut down? Oh, yeah. Like where are we at? Are we going straight to the playoffs for sure? Or what's happening? It was so good, wasn't it? I think you're going straight to the playoffs is what they said. I believe there was a time they want to lead into, and then there was a potential. Hockey's trying to figure that out too, but hockey wants to finish the regular season. The standings are pretty clear in the NBA, where if they did go to the playoffs, like no one would make a big right because uh, of the teams. So you already know basically who's in the playoffs. Well, as Pelicans, Memphis were battling for rookie of yeah. the year. Yeah. That was the mm-hmm. biggest thing for that was rookie of the year. Who's going to get a jaw or Zion? So. I think there's a lot of things that still have to be figured out. But I would like them just to go for it. Just do the playoffs, keep it moving, live in a biodome, and let's watch the most athletic humans on earth at the moment all dunk on each other in back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. Bleacher Report (laughs) is uh, reporting per Gary Myers, who's from New York, and he writes for nobody. He writes a book, Brady vs. Manning, ex-NFL columnist for Dallas Morning News, New York Daily News. He's a Hall of Fame voter, so whatever the fuck that means. He said that Tom Brady's deteriorating relationship with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels was part of the reason he left New England. Mm. TB12 wanted more input into the game plan. So everybody thought this was potentially Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. What about old Josh McDaniels? Tom Brady said, hey, we've accomplished a lot together. We've won a lot together. You've gone other places. They hated you there. You come back home. We win again. We have all this going on. I think that at this point in the offense, it's not only just your offense, it's my offense too. I would like a little bit of input, which is very normal, by the way, I think for a lot of quarterbacks. And I could very much see this becoming a potential issue if the starting quarterback who has to run the same offense that you've been coaching for 20 years, and he knows the offense just as much as you do, doesn't have any say, and your name's Tom Brady, he could say you're about sick of that shit, I think. Yeah, you could, but we all know like every decision that's in happens in new england goes through bill belichick so if tom brady felt like he really wanted more input and josh mcdaniels wasn't allowing him in i guess he could go to bill they talk all the time and say hey man like i need to be more involved and bill could easily go to mcdaniels and say hey open up a little bit take some more take some more of tom's suggestions so like i don't know there's no guarantee I don't. I don't know. Like, who's the sources? I always wonder. Like, what? Well, yeah, this is probably how you can say these things. <laughs> this is probably a very, a very large lie. I, I mean, <laughs> we have no idea. I, that's why I quoted two different people there. I mean, it was Bleacher Report quoting a guy named Gary Myers, who you and I never heard of before. He's a Hall of Fame voter, so he must know some people. 
But that is something I guess that hasn't been talked about a lot. Everything has been, does Belichick and Tom hate each other? I guess the real conversation should have been, does Tom and McDaniels hate each other? Well, and I mean, after uh, McDaniels went to the Colts and then, uh, you know, decided to come back halfway through, you might think that he got complete control over the offense and that he didn't want to give Brady anything uh, so that he could take, you know, all the credit for it almost. Well, and also Tom Brady might have thought that he was getting more control of the offense when McDaniels was on that plane. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Nope, here we go. It's all coming back. Oh, there's a lot to unravel here, AJ. It's a lot to think about. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess. But Tom is, the facts are Tom's in Tampa Bay. New England sounds like they're going with Stidham. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. We don't know that. Why not? Michael Lombardi said. According to my sources. According to my sources. Michael Lombardi. <laughs> whenever this all ends, he said, don't be surprised if New England looks into Cam Newton's health. Now, he's a guy who worked for the Patriots for a long I think his kid still works for the mm-hmm, Patriots. Yeah. Not kid's saying, a coach. He coaches for them. Not saying his kid told him this. He's just saying, don't be surprised if they look into it. They, they have $25 million in dead cap. They have no room to make a contract worth anything for anybody unless they renegotiate Tooney's deal and everything like that. But Lombardi said, hey, don't be shocked if the Patriots look in to see Cam Newton's health because this guy, starting quarterback, there's not a lot of places for him. Mike Lombardi said that he thinks the Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking, trying to lose. That's why they signed the Sky Cam, Mike Glennon. Now the thought is, where does Cam Newton end up at? And he said, don't be surprised if it's potentially New England. But Bill Belichick has said nothing of the sort of anybody starting for that team. He actually has been very vague about everything. Well, you can't go off of anything Belichick says to know what his plans are and why would you no coach should give any of their plans away but I think Lombardi makes a good point why it makes a lot of sense at least to kick the old tires on Cam Newton as they like to say bring him in see how healthy he could be and like I said before on this show I I can't see many other opportunities at least right now that seem like a great fit for Cam Newton but New England seems like the best fit how about the Raiders okay what you want three you want a a three-way quarterback controversy well, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no, I, 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 I'm honestly very confused why Cam Newton doesn't have a job already. I, I get the quarantine. He's not healthy and all that stuff. But it feels like the market is – they've signed other quarterbacks throughout this whole thing. It feels like the market is getting very small for him. Now you got people saying, should he sit out a year? Should he do this? Should he do that? I have no idea what he should do. But I do know, I think – here's a bold prediction. Write it down. May 11th, 2020, I think Cam Newton will start at least four games in the NFL this season. At least four games in the NFL this season somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would take the over. Over four? <laughs> How many wins is he getting out of those four? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know what team he's going to. I think he's getting three wins. I think he's going three and one. <laughs> Even, yeah, that's that's. What my if he starts of, ten games? I Well, I'm only talking about four. Starts here. three and one. Starts three and one. That's all that matters. He's gonna probably continue to do that. Maybe go six two seven seven and two and a half. Seven and two and a half. Nice. That's what I think he's gonna get. Good call. I think one tie. Too. What? Hey, what about this, Pat? Yeah, what if the Cincinnati Bengals brought him in? Say, hey, we want you to kind of help Joe Burrow and his his maturation, what he's doing, and oh, if Joe's not, maybe he hasn't picked it up as quickly as they want. Maybe you can start some games, play half the season, get some get some good film out there, show everybody you're healthy. Like, would that be crazy? Well, I think the Bengals getting rid of Dalton is saying that they don't want that veteran uh, experience there. Or maybe they don't, they don't want that veteran $17 million cap hit. Oh, yeah, because $17 million is a lot of money. You get Cam Newton in there for $5 million, which is more than Andy Dalton got, by the way, more than James Winston gotten. And maybe that's what he's thinking. But is that 
what you want to do with Andy Dalton or, or, or uh, Joe Burrow. Is that what you want to do to Drew Locke out in Denver too? That's The thought was Denver maybe he could start out there. But Drew Locke being a young quarterback, do you want him looking over his shoulder at all times knowing that there's a better quarterback right behind him? Is that what Joe Burrow's going to do too? I, I just don't know if that's the right situation. I, I think there's a I couple, wouldn't do it. No, I, I, I just – I wouldn't either. Yeah, I thought it was possible. I, especially when you take a guy number one overall and coaches always say, oh – Every job is open. Like, it's a competition at every position. Well, not when you're the number one overall pick and you're supposed to be the savior and you are the, the face of that franchise like Joe Burrow is now. You get at least three, four years to, to prove that you are that guy. I'm interested. I mean, I'm very interested to see what happens with Cam Newton. A lot of people in the comments don't think Cam Newton's good. I, and I think that's because the uh, comment section is – is very much a what have you done for me lately? Yes, yep. very much. Just so. a couple of years ago, old Cam Newton was real good. And remember what they thought in 1995? Just a couple of years ago, Michael Jordan was really good at basketball. You think he could come back and do it? He did, didn't he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did, didn't he? He did. By the way, did not know that Michael Jordan would have been an incredible baseball player if he wanted to, if it wasn't for the goddamn strike. Yeah, I forgot that Terry Francona was. His oh, minor yes. league manager. Mm -hmm. I like that part about it. That was big, big news pop in this particular <laughs> office here. Did you watch the last dance, last two episodes last night? Yes, I did. Have, did you play with anybody that was like that? Super demanding? Like who? Like like Jordan was whenever he was at practice calling Scott Burrow uh, a hoe. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of that. And football, it's a little tougher with that made with so many players. And Jordan was on such a different level than everybody. Um but no, like nothing, not, I guess people not as vocal as Jordan was. We, everyone was demanding, like, if you, you know, you wanted to make sure you were accountable to your teammates, but no one was really that vocal like Jordan just absolutely putting those guys through the ring or probably making them all scared to death to even walk onto the practice court. Yeah, like, I don't know if anybody was like Jordan. I guess they said Kobe was kind of like Jordan with the way he talked mm -hmm. and, and yeah. stuff like that. Peyton was a was one of those guys, though. He would talk nothing like what Jordan would, but whenever he, it was an off period for the offense and special teams was happening, Peyton's running sprints, you know, during it. Peyton's the first one in, last one out. Like, literally, he's doing all that. Like, I, I think he tried to set, like, a standard, which is what Jordan was trying to do. Like, hey, this is the standard around here. You can do as I say or do as I do. I don't give a damn. Just do. And that's kind of, I, I think, those greats kind of have to operate like that. Like, hey, this is what we're going to expect because if not – if I come down to your level, we're fucked. So you're going to come up to my level or you're going to get the hell out of here. And I, I think a lot of people, and I like the way Jordan said, like, oh, you're a tyrant, blah, blah, blah. He said, consider from who? You who've never won something. So he was like, you, you've never won anything, so I might sound like a tyrant to you. But being demanding is a part of the process. Winning has a price and stuff like that. And I do believe that those guys that are up and ladies that are up in that upper echelon, they have that demanding kind of feel like, hey, I expect you to, if you're not at my level, which you, you might not be because you might not have time, you better give your entire soul to this so we can try to get to where we all want to go. And by the way, whenever you're celebrating, it's more fun than you could have ever had in your entire life. I mean, you bring up a great point. It, it, it looks to me like when you play for a super demanding coach, like a Nick Saban type guy that, yeah, day in and day out, those guys aren't having a lot of fun. Like, there's not a whole lot of fun to be had, but they they may not even like Nick Saban and coaches like that, but they respect the hell out of them. And you would always want it that way. Like, you don't you don't want a coach that you like. Like, oh, he's such a good guy. He's cool. Oh, how, do you respect him? Well, not really because he doesn't really hold guys accountable, doesn't really lead by example. But I really like him a lot. Like, you don't want to be that person. Hey, uh, you know what I think's fun? 
kicking somebody's ass. <laughs> Rich Rodriguez. I appreciate that the uh, oh, yeah. the media was not afraid to ask the real questions about backstabbing. <laughs> Jerry Krause leads the show off with. Hold on, I want to read. I wrote it down because I thought it was so amazing. Krause had to answer the question on whether or not there was backstabbing going on within his organization. That is when you know if you've won everything, you're a winning team, a winning organization on top of the world, and you're a general manager, and you're being asked, is there backstabbing going on in your facility? That's when you know backstabbing's probably going on in your organization, (laughs) and there's probably a lot of shit to it. Jerry Krause just somehow continues to be the evil villain in this entire thing and the son of a bitch might be the most successful general manager in the history of the nba and after watching this last dance it's like that he's really just a bfs <laughs> dude's just a bfs doesn't Thanks, know Craig. doesn't know what he's got has no idea doesn't appreciate it doesn't respect it and i think that could all potentially be because of the way he handled relationships with the team i mean that's just how it's got to be he seems like he should have just been a lifetime lifetime scout. He he seemed so he was such, did such a good job of finding talent. Like he was there when they drafted Jordan, right? Yep. And then he found Scottie Pippen at some tiny school in Arkansas. Is that right? Bingo. Mm-hmm. Tony Kukoc. He signed Dennis Rodman. Horace Grant. Like, the P, yeah, Horace Grant was huge for him. Like the, he seems to be able to evaluate talent very well. So maybe he should just been a scout and never been the, the head guy in charge. He just sucks at talking. Like, yeah, incredible scout, kind of the Peter principle, right? Peter principle is when you're so good at your job, you get promoted to another job that you're no longer good at. I think Krauss, incredible talent evaluator. Let's pay him a lot of money to be a talent evaluator, but we can't put him in a position where he's going to have to speak because he absolutely sucks at it and everybody hates him. It's just not a guy you want potentially negotiating with your best talent, but... Is he the most underrated and underappreciated successful GM in the history of sports? I think yes. This poor guy will never get the credit now for being an incredible team builder because he was trying his best to demolish said team at any chance he had. <laughs> like, what was the ultimate goal? To bring a coach and a full roster of 12 players in there that all they did was just pump Jerry Krause up? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't fucking get it either. I don't get it either. How about Steve Curry eating a fist? <laughs> Yeah, I'd heard about that that uh, that fight story years ago, and then to uh, to see him talk about it, what so Steve hit Jordan in the chest, and Jordan said he jacked him in the eye. Yeah, just as soon as it hit him, he said he couldn't have had to hit him in the fucking eye. His exact words had to hit him right in the fucking eye. <laughs> hey, he called him and apologized though. He said he felt this big because he beat up the smallest guy in the court, so he took another shot at Steve Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason Jordan was upset. He's like, man, I should have hit Luke Longley or somebody else. <laughs> Bill Wennington. Steve Kerr, though, I, I think that's a massive moment for what type of guy Steve Kerr is. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet you if I'm his players, like I respect Steve Kerr a lot more now hearing that story. He was like, hey, listen, you're already beating me. I don't need your shit right now. Yeah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Did he go hide and right into his chest? Why is he punching somebody in the chest? I don't think that's I saw much shorter than Michael. Hey, I'll get you up there. I don't know. Steve, credit, I mean, Steve Kerr is awesome, but credit to him when he said like, yeah, uh, what do you say? I I have a short fuse or whatever, and I I I can blow, or I can blow up really quick. He's like, and I'm super competitive, but I just don't really have the ability to follow up on that. Yeah. Like that was awesome. <laughs> <to say. laughs> I like Steve Kerr a lot. Um, what else should we talk about here? Mark Emmert said, if there's no students on campus, we ain't playing any sports. No students means that the school doesn't think it's safe enough to bring them back. We're not going to play sports then. If that is the case 
which, by the way, Mark Emmert making the right decision. And will anybody kind of, you know, come back and think of this statement if they do end up opening up stadiums instead of campuses? Of course somebody will say something. Are you coding on <laughs> Typing. That was, uh, was incredible. Did you hear that? Did you? I he couldn't hear it. No. Oh, I had oh, great words for a minute. It was incredible. That sounded like like one of them stenographers in a court case. It was it was really impressive. I like how we all looked at Emmett first. Like I said, yeah, he I was, was typing. I thought it was Emmett typing that first. That boy, Emmett, good WPM. Uh, but if he changes his mind on this going forward, nobody's going to care and think about this. Mark Emmett just said the right thing at the right time about the situation. This is exactly what he has to say. Is that not accurate? Oh, it's very accurate. But. Of course he has to say this. They're student athletes, and they pub them all the time as student athletes. And if there's no school, they're just athletes that are, aren't getting paid, so they're, no, I don't know. They're student human athletes. Let's make sure we remember mm -hmm. that. Do you guys know, like, does he make the final decision, or is it the conferences that make the decision on playing without, if there's no school or anything like well, that? The NCAA is the regulating body, right? So if, if they have any... Gumption. Gumption. It would be them making the decision. But instead, it'll be the conferences because they're the ones that run everything. And the NCAA is just there to put their nose into things they shouldn't be in and collect a paycheck. But that's what some people would say. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's just what people would say. I would assume that the NCAA can and say our league would not begin uh, until there. I, I think Mark Emmert does have that power. I could be wrong because the Big 12 said we're, we're coming back. Big 12 said we're coming back. Big 10 said we're not coming back. In each individual con conference, it feels like they're giving their own vote for what they think should happen. I assume the SEC has not given out an answer because everything's bigger there. If the SEC was to say something, it would be a... It was like eight or nine of the schools said yeah. Giant ordeal. So like, I, I feel like there's going to be different votes, but I think Mark Emmert does have the power to potentially say no, but also he has the power to be persuaded by money which would be opening up them damn stadiums even if the students uh, the college campuses were only doing online classes which i think is how everybody handled this spring am i right to saying that emmett are you guys doing online classes that's what you've been doing this entire time yeah great answer emmett <laughs> well hey emmett but emmett could i don't know how much power he has one way or the other he could say no we're not playing but they were talking months ago that like the pac-12 if they wanted to they were saying we could just forego the NCAA and start our own thing oh, that's what? not technically in the NCAA. So this could easily start something like that. We got into this conversation last week, and it, it was a long one. I, I mean, we started going because at first, I've always had this thought that to fix the NCAA, there would have to be an alternative league that did their own thing. And you start thinking like the XFL. The XFL had to find arenas and stadiums for people to play at. They had to find a structure and all that thing. The only way this would ever work is if colleges, big colleges, who were sick of having to have 15 sports when only two of them make money, and these big-time schools that are sick of seeing their players not be able to get $1,000 handshakes and in risks of losing them, these schools that are sick of the time period where they're not allowed to send a text to recruit a player because it's a downtime. You could see these big-time schools that make 50, 60, 70 million dollars off of sport, uh, a couple sports and then lose money elsewhere, creating their own league and then paying the players however they deem fit still having a university there and creating their own thing whether it was just just football or they had basketball in there as well or if some of them wanted to have other sports that like if iowa wanted to create its own wrestling league because the university of iowa makes so much money off of wrestling i don't know why that hasn't happened i honestly don't know why you could say it's because 
Uh, it would take a lot of schools to do it, and only so many would do it. Well, I think that would make them even better because the schools that would be able to do it are ones that already have an entire structure, sponsor, money, stadium, ticket sales, uh, prestige, everything that could go do it. Imagine the networks lining up, by the way, to get the TV. Look what they did for the XFL. Both Fox and ESPN gave them entire weekends. I would assume that if these big schools, notable schools, just created their own thing, that it would garner a lot of TV money, it would garner a lot of attention, and I don't know how the NCAA would keep up. You're kind of seeing it right now with the G League, with the NBA, and there's three of the top recruits are going over there to make money. I don't know how the NCAA football-wise would be able to keep up if they were to do that. I don't see the drawbacks either, to be honest with you. I don't see the drawbacks. I just I see like all the, the work it would take to set it up. It would take not only like the biggest universities in, in America right now, but it would take like a huge chunk of them together. Do you you want to be that group of lawyers or whatever who was out contacting each school? Like, can you imagine the groundwork you'd have to do and how much work it would take just to get in? Be like, okay, hey, this is what we're gonna do. If we're all in this together, we have more power than the than the NCAA. You may get a couple schools, but I think it's going to be hard to get 15, 20, 40 schools, 80 schools to even do this. What would it have to be? It would have to be Saban calling Dabo, mm -hmm. calling Jimbo. Yeah. Calling yep. somebody else, Ohio, Ryan Day at Ohio calling State. Calling Ryan Day, calling. It would have to be the coaches being like, "Hey, this is what we're thinking. We'll get their that. ads. All have to be on board too." Well, the ads are on board if the coaches are on board, right? Don't the ads kind of? Ad can fire the coach. Mm, can they? You think Nick Saban can get fired right now? Well, the ad is who hires and fires coaches. Okay, so let's say the AD and the coach call the other ADs and coaches. Do you think that call has ever happened? Because the guy from Minnesota, Regents, what was his name? Board of Regents. Whoa. Sam. Board of Regents, Wusu? Something. Something like Some that. Board of Regents at Minnesota came out and said something like this, to alluding to this fact. He had to walk back on his thoughts, like uh, people won't leave the NCAA. But it was definitely something that had been talked about amongst people. I wonder if those athletic directors and coaches have gotten around each other and started talking about it and been like, what do we think? We think now's the time to kind of make this jump. You know, the, the way that we did things pre-quarantine, we don't have to do post-quarantine. You know, I used to never wash my hands after I take a poop. I, I would just move on. <laughs> now I can shower afterwards. You know, maybe I, I used to shake hands and hug people. You know, after quarantine, I'm not doing that. I used to like this person. I've been locked away from them for 54 days. I've realized I don't like them that much. I eliminate them post -quarantine. A lot of people are making changes pre-quarantine, post-quarantine. It's like a refresh button on life almost for a lot of people. What if the coaches in AD during this quarantine we're trying to figure out a way to kind of run their own league that is something i'd be very interested in by the way i have no idea how they would regulate it they would have to get a regulator and i but i would be pumped up about it. i'm like here we go let's go now let's go as a recruit too i mean if you had the option to choose a league where you can get paid versus just a regular old ncaa i mean they would dominate the recruiting i think so well that's a big reason why the name and likeness is being pushed through i think the ncaa knows like hey this is already in place we need to we need to try to make sure everybody is happy like they've messed up enough things already they don't want to give extra reasons for teams and schools like you said to actually try to come together and, and make something happen is the ncaa losing leverage at this point oh no oh no oh no hmm. oh well uh Jackson, <laughs> hey it's like it's quick i want to say before it's like the mma it's like not just the UFC, MMA in general. They don't have a union, and they always talk about how they need a union. First off, there's – you're like, yeah, of course we do. But can you imagine trying to get all the fighters together, all of them on the same page? you got fighters on all corners of the earth. 
all their managers connecting to everybody. And then the only real power that the fighters have, if they want to start a union, because Dana doesn't want it to happen. He's claimed that he's open to it, which he might be. But I think it has to be. Yeah, he, he definitely has to be. But it would take like a Conor McGregor type guy to sit out of a show, to be scheduled to fight. And all of a sudden, the day before or something, be like, hey, man, no, like the whole card's shutting down. None of us are fighting if we don't make this union thing happen. Like that's the only leverage you have is to sit out. And I don't see fighters as a whole like sitting out. That's like the quarterback club back in the day where the quarterbacks were all in their own run. That's why the union became such a big deal because the quarterbacks were getting a much different treatment than everybody else because the quarterbacks realized that they were one of the the most important part of the entire league. So they had the quarterback club. It's like almost a bad word to say around the union is the quarterback club because it was them turning their back on the rest of the league. So then the NFL union came to be. And obviously, they pitch propaganda videos on why they're important and all that stuff. But <laughs> the, the CBA obviously was a nightmare of a situation. But um, we got some breaking news right now. Field Yates. There's no way they'd be able to get people to agree in the MMA world. No way. No. Greg Hardy is sleeping in a dormitory fighting every single day. I, I, it, I don't think he's just looking for any way to make a living after what he's done in the past. I think if they were, if Dana White was to tell him, hey, you either join the union or you get more work, I think there would be a, uh, I don't know. Uh, the Dolphins have agreed to terms with the f- fifth pick in the NFL draft, quarterback from Alabama, Tua Tungavaloa, on a four-year, $30 million deal with a fifth-year team option now i believe another rookie deal came out a couple days ago that was fully guaranteed which i thought was potentially going to be the trend moving forward rosenhaus negotiated a fully guarantee i think it was worth 24 million i forget who it was and how it was signed but it was fully guaranteed now Tua has come out four year 30 million dollars have no idea how much is in incentives no much no idea how much is there rookie contracts are guaranteed now once they move the new rookie paid the wage scale isn't it i don't i don't know if that's accurate. there's top picks you might have to look it up but i think that's what ha- they did yes they don't get the crazy numbers they got before but the contract, at least the first four, I think, is guaranteed. Uh, if that's the case, congratulations to Tua making $30.275,438. Who negotiated for that extra eight bucks? I, w- I want to know about uh, fifth-year team option. It seems like uh, these deals are getting done much quicker now because of the slottiness, because of the CBA, because of the pre-CBA, post-last CBA negotiations that have already been figured out. When you land here, this is how much you make. $30 million, still a hell of a payday for the fifth rounder. Derek Brown Brown is the one who signed this weekend, fully guaranteed. I am still looking to see if every... Rookies. Yeah, because whenever Derek Brown signed this weekend for $24 million, it was a big deal that was fully guaranteed. Like, it was added in the thing, fully guaranteed. $24 million deal. Maybe two is is fully guaranteed as well. $30 million, not a bad piece of cheddar for the work you did at Alabama, too well. Yeah, it's not. But, yeah, there's not as – I know there's not nearly as much to negotiate because it's all slotted now. And t- who was the – what is the team that always holds out? Was it – Chargers. Sam, Chargers hold out. What did they – it's some technicality in the fifth year or some guaranteed injury option. What is it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's always something. I, I should look into it more, but I haven't. But I would assume it's a guaranteed money and in that verbiage and everything like that. So I, I think it is still a little bit negotiated on what's guaranteed, what isn't negotiated. I would obviously take a little bit less money if it was fully guaranteed. I mean, that's smart business move uh i would i would keep it moving with that this yep so rapaport said he gets a signing bonus of 19.6 million and that's all guaranteed and then this article here says this is from yahoo all first round picks receive full guaranteed signing bonuses first round contracts also include a fifth year option meaning the teams can add another year to the term at a higher salary 
Okay, so there we go. So he got 19 million guaranteed, 30 million dollars over its total. Uh, good for Tua making that cake, making that chat up. Bought his mom a new car, yeah. and he signed a deal with Adidas. Tua has become a business. Tua is a quarterback in Miami, and I think good things are going to happen for old Tua after he gets past a couple freak injuries that happen in college. When does he? When do they insert him into the lineup to start? I hope not until like week eight or nine. Aren't they playing the Bengals like week thirteen or yes. something? Like he's got to be in by then. Has to be, and that's why they probably put it at week thirteen. By the way, they're like, all right, Joe, Joe will have twelve weeks under his belt. Hopefully, this will be past the Ryan Fitzpatrick to a Tongavaloa handoff that hap- is going to in- inevitably happen. Put him in there week thirteen. I think Tua is going to have a hell of a time at my – like, I think he's going to be very good. I think he has the right mindset to go down to Miami. I've talked to a couple of players that have played in Miami. It's not easy. There's a lot of options in Miami. It's, it's very easy to get distracted when you're a Miami Dolphin. It feels like Tua is mature enough for the thing. It feels like he's got a big enough chip on his shoulder with all the shit that was said about him. I feel like Tua is going to be a good player down there in Miami. Would it be easier to play in Miami or in Vegas for the Raiders? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I have a self-ban on Vegas. <laughs> Why? What happened last time? It's just every... Not last time. It's every time. It, you know the movie Hangover? Oh, yeah. No, I've never heard of it. That happens every time I'm in Vegas. Just like something really? along those lines. Yeah, it's Which great. Which guy are you in the... Whoever's having the best time. <laughs> but okay. I've, I've been to the hospital that they were at numerous mm-hmm. times. I've found my friends in places. I mean, it's just... It's not... A, it's just everything... It's just I can't. I just can't do it. I have a self-ban on Vegas. What if you were from another country, you've never been to America, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go see the, the great U.S., and you just go to Vegas when you're 21 years old, and you're like, oh, I love America. This is amazing. I always think about that. And then what if they're dropped into New York City? It, it, New York City is nothing like Indianapolis, Indiana, or Columbus, Ohio. Like, And I, I feel that way about myself. Like, oh, I've been to France before. I know what the French people are like. Well, I've been to Paris. Mm-hmm. It's like, have I? Well, I wonder what the out in the You can always get those. But I couldn't fathom if your only taste of America was Las Vegas. <laughs> I could not even fathom what you think of this country. It, by the way, great time. I mean, it is a great. It's too much. It's too much of a good time. It's one of the, you just have to kind of turn yourself out. Yeah, like listen, I can't go there. It's too much of a good time. It is. Oh my god, I'm starting to think about it now. The party pit. Oh. Listen, oh. you go to the party pit. Yeah, oh. Get it going. Can't do it. <laughs> I've heard there's another Vegas that people go to, like the Mormons go to, and like there's there's another side of Vegas that everybody oh, really? you go to shows, you go to some steakhouses. It's like mm-hmm. when people live in Vegas, they're like, yeah, I haven't been to the Strip in forever. Like that's for tourists. Like they have their own spots. Yeah, and they're they're terrible. I've been to their places. <laughs> they're not they're not great. I mean, well, I guess if you live there full time though, you may get burnt out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't. But by the way. They have great golf courses, from what I've been told. Like yeah. you're gonna love the golf course, like state of the world class golf courses. There's shows. I've been to a couple of Cirque du Soleil shows. Great Ooh. time, great time. But I've heard there's people that just golf, go to shows, go to great restaurants that they have out mm-hmm. there. They shop and then they go to sleep. I'm play blackjack too. Well, I don't think the the people that do, I don't think the people that do what I just said play blackjack. I you think, don't think so? I think they stay away because once you get that's what happens. They get you. You get to the blackjack table, then all of a sudden it's like. Okay, hey, you want a drink? Uh, and I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll take one. Thank you so much. And then before that thing's even done, said person who offered you a drink has already been back twice. They're like, hey, you want another drink? Or, I'm like, yeah, this one's about done. I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, you've got a conga line coming on his table, right? And then music starts playing. And then they start playing your favorite song. And it's like, well, what the, 
what the fuck's going on? Okay, we're getting back into this thing. Then you win a hand or two. Ooh. All of a sudden, you're, you're tossing out nickels and dimes. You're starting to really, you're starting to split queens because that's oh. what kings do. And then everything just starts running into the night. And then you've met people from your day or the night before. And they're like, hey, Pat, what's going on? We got a big thing going on over here. Okay, I'll go over here. Bang, you get put up on a stage. You start stone cold Steve Austin beers in Calvin Harris's face. And then all of a sudden, you go to another place. And then you get carried to the bathroom because you got to pee. And there's such a long line by the bouncers because you tip the bouncers, which is the right people to tip. You don't tip the waitresses. You tip the bouncers. They'll get you in everywhere you need to go. Emmett, write that one down for you whenever you grow up. And then you just you, you pass out eventually. And then it's like, oh, you got people showing up at your room. Hey, pool party's about to kick off. You got a cabana. You paid for it last night. You're going to love it. Just sober up out there. We'll bring you lunch. And then you get out there. Food starts coming. A blackjack table somehow Whoa. shows up. And then all of a sudden it gets going. And Rick Ross is rapping too. And then it's just like, oh, no, here we go. The train gets a rolling. And all of a sudden you pass out again. Then you wake up. And then you put it on repeat. And then you get on a plane. And you barf in a garbage bag on a Southwest flight feeling like a piece of cattle right next to a sweet old lady who's somehow experience the same exact city in a polar opposite fashion and you decide you know what i can't do it anymore i'm never fucking going back it's a hell of a story <laughs> i mean you're talking professional athlete pat mcafee not college student pat right college pat never went out there never. my first you don't want to go i went on my 21st birthday and i'm like okay what do we do like it's 1500 to get a to get a table at this place it's three bottle minimum the bottles are 900 bucks a piece I, I, I realized, like what are you supposed to do so if we're going to dive bars trying to find drink half empties like it's impossible if you're not like a, a professional that has a little bit of money my I, i've spent a lot of money in vegas and i've won a lot of money in vegas too by the way Ooh. my first time there i won like 20 grand i think blackjack yeah it was stupid it was like that how much how much you playing per hand yeah, yeah, pretty good. We got, <laughs> we got pretty going there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have the MJ level of blackjack, uh, uh, but I I have played some blackjack in my day pretty well, my name. I mean, if you if you won twenty k, that means you're probably willing to lose fifty. No, 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 false. I was on a heater. As soon as I landed, got in there and I just started going on a heater. And I'm a press guy. Like I'm gonna press. You know what I mean? Okay. And all you got to do is win if you. Like six hands in a row, and all of a sudden you're in a yeah. different spot than you were. Yeah, you what? are not a lose big guy. How did you find a way you to, to yeah, walk, walk away, away. though? I don't when know you were how he does up. it, but he does. I have an ability to walk away. Like whenever I've won the game, I have an ability to walk. I've never lost a lot gambling. I've won a lot. I've lost for sure. I've lost a lot in an attempt to win a little bit more, but I never lose a lot, and I have the ability to walk away while a winner. And I have the ability in Vegas to walk away leaving my money on the table yeah. and just not getting it until six, seven hours later when I walk back down and the pit boss goes, hey, Pat. And I go, oh, my God, I was here earlier. Oh, yeah, you were here earlier. Yeah, sir, here's $10,000 that you left on the craps table. Oh, I think. Oh, that's, thank you so much, sir. Let me put that into my uh, fanny, fanny, pack. fanny pack. I'll be back late. You know where you'll find me. I'll be back here later, pal. He's like, yeah, you will. We got your spot right here. <laughs> and then you played with the wet money the one uh -huh. time. They didn't want to take it, but then the pit boss came over and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is Even our guy. Though, it's still good. I'll take it. This is our guy. Yep. Same pit boss. The next day, I somehow ended up in a pool with my fanny pack that had a lot of money in it. I go back to said craps table. I'm on, I want to get a little loose here with the die. Can we please get going? 
dealers at the table like we can't take your money sir it is drenched guy goes that's pat take his drenched money and we're probably gonna end up giving him a lot more turns out i got very cold at that particular <laughs> they took all my wet money that day i should have left but i mean yeah i can't go to vegas it's just not a place i can go to it's too much too much who was the magician you guys went to go see uh, i'm free Las Vegas. <laughs> chris angel how was he uh, i don't know how to say this i don't want to um the show is disgustingly terrible. <laughs> well, okay, did did everybody think that because he does that show every day, like seven, eight times a week, doesn't he? He forced us into a standing ovation. Okay, we weren't able to get out of there unless we did a standing ovation for him. And he took a picture of it. I mean, it was just. It was, Wait, how did you force someone into a standing o? Can't leave. Show will not end until everybody's on their feet clapping. Not a bad is, move, by the way. Is there an announcement that says that? It's Chris Angel. He's saying it to you <laughs> on the stage. He's excuse me. And then he got out this saw that was about the size of this sign here. Might have been even a little bit bigger. This sign here, which I'll stand up next to it here. It was a little bit bigger than that. And he had this saw going, and you could it was spinning so slow. Like, you could see the individual blades. And he was like, I'll, I'll cut through this woman if everybody stands up and gives me their energy or whatever. And me and AQ were like, bro, this has been a terrible show. We're, we're just trying to get out of here. We're, we're at the point now where we're hung over, right? <laughs> so we're just trying to get out of there. We're in the second row or whatever. He's like, everybody's got to stand. And he's got some diehard fans next to us that are like, at this point, nudging AQ, like telling him to stand up or whatever. And AQ was like, I'm going to fucking kill this goth kid. <laughs> so, like, so they're like, stand up, stand up, or whatever. Feel your, I want to feel your energy. Uh, something might go wrong or whatever. And he's like, oh, Vegas, like the way he says it. So me and AQ stand up, right, and we're clapping. And we see the fucking camera person come out from the back. Chris Angel standing like this. And they take a picture, standing ovation, tweeted it out that night. Another standing ovation for Chris Angel. It was oh. like, oh, my God, we were literally told that the lady was going to die if we don't stand up. <laughs> Anyways, cuts through the thing with that blade. It was like this fast here. And then a spark shot up, and then they moved it, and then they said, that's it. Thanks so much. And they walked off the stage. And doing the standing ovation, that, that created an illusion that it was a sold-out crowd. Yes. Right? yes, yeah. That's the marketing, yeah. Standing ovation. Another standing out here. Man, I hope there's not, a, there's not a whole lot of other performers out there that do the same thing. He was mailing it in, too. I could tell he was at the, And now, granted, I think I've seen some documentaries where he was mailing it in. He was getting tired. I think we saw that show where it was just like... Because I watch Chris Angel. Oh, yeah. I watch it on A&E all the time. I, I was a big Chris Angel fan. That particular show, though, was a tough watch. Tired Angel. Tired. <laughs> yeah, I think he was just tired. Fallen Angel. He's well, been, think about it. If you're doing the same... Like, obviously, it's a dream if you're a magician to be that big. He had TV shows... But if you have like a residency in Vegas and you're doing the same show, sometimes probably twice a night for five, six days in a row, say you're there for a year or two, how, how sick of that same exact show would you be? It's a, it's a magic show. He can't go off script and like freelance a little bit. It's all set up. I will tell you this. I can't be a stand-up comedian for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm not clever enough, first of all. Uh, but second of all, I, I had to tell my stand-up set on new, more than one occasion only two times in my life and by night three for both of them i was sick of the when i was telling the stories and the crowd was laughing i was getting to the point where i was like how the fuck are you laughing at this this is not funny <laughs> like in my head i was like let me just get through this story forgetting that they had never heard the story so i have no idea how comedians have the ability to, to deliver the story with the same energy and passion 
every single time. I couldn't, literally by night three, I was like, I fucking hate this. See, but even sitting side stage and listening to it, by the third time you telling it, it was so much better yeah. to me. And but that's I, and I, that's what the comedians say. They say it's like a baby that you kind of like, kind of grow and kind of coddle and move up. And I can respect that thought and how it's a craft and everything like that. But for me, my energy would get a bit tired, bit tired of it, and I couldn't think, even imagine. Think of those comedians that were were going around playing clubs before the age of the internet. Some of those guys carry the same act for like twenty straight years. Oh, I know, I know. And they they're gonna they're. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> That's an art to be able to fake the enthusiasm like when you're year nine into the same joke. Yeah, but they do, though. And they're now like noted voices in the comedy world. It's like who who's who's carrying the same act still for that long? You can't really do that as much now. Well, there's not a lot of people that still perform, right? That performed back in the day. No, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I thought because <laughs> they got exposed. Yeah, the cream rises to the top, right? Amen. Hey, amen. Just like what you did right here. You know what's weird is it's every once in a while I'll be I'll be talking to you on the little screen where I can see you, and I see my face in that picture, and I think that's my shot that I have. I think it's like really me. Every once in a while, you do. I will say, every once in a while, we do get this particular look <laughs> on the show from your side. Yeah. Did you hear about Zion's ex-agent, Gina? Is this not extortion? Blackmail? Like, what is this? This is public extortion by Gina. Now she That's wants... Legal. It's illegal, right? Well, she's the worst. This lady is the worst. And I'm not just saying that because I know nothing about her. I, I She's the worst human on earth. Like, it, you sign Zion to be his marketing person. You're the person probably negotiating said Nike and Adidas deals to attend Duke. You're the one probably making this all happen. Now, whenever he decides to move on because you weren't as good of an agent as somebody else in his eyes, now you're trying to what? Tear down the not only Zion, not only Zion's family, all of college basketball. Hey, Gina, take a fucking hike, lady. Okay? <laughs> you lost. This is the way business goes if you're not good at business. You need to just find other clients and hopefully not fuck it up with them. Now, granted, she knows that Zion's going to make probably a billion dollars in his life at some point. Zion is a very marketable person, nice kid. He's electric to watch, all this stuff. She's not going to be happy to watch that, but that's how that business goes. Like That's how the agency business goes. That's how marketing goes. You, It comes and goes. If you're not good, move on to the next one. You only get a certain amount of time to make money. And now Gina's like, you give me $100 million. Or, or, listen, you don't have to give me $100 million if you just talk about all the wrongdoings that we did together. I mean, it just... I hate this Gina lady. It, it just seems illegal to me. And it's it's kind of like when, say, there's a college athlete who is really good, say, during his junior year, and an agent comes to him and starts giving him like a $20,000 watch and giving him some cash under the table. Well, that agent is counting on you, that player, signing with the agent once you become eligible, once your college is over. And if you don't, they could say, well, hey, I can turn you in real quick. And if, it was a, if the kid was smart, and had an agent come back and be like, cool, do it. I don't care. Like, I'm in the league now. You can do whatever you want. Well, all of college basketball is going to take a hit from this, though, if the NCAA wants to. It seems like it, doesn't it? Because if you watch this, I talked about this earlier today and the other day. If you watch that 
Netflix thing called The Scheme. I believe it's called The Scheme. Yeah, HBO. What's his name? Christian Dawkins. Christian Dawkins from Detroit was basically talking about how he was the point man for all these teams and players and uh, shoe deals and all the money that was getting handed out and stuff like that. And he was talking about how if it's not me, it's somebody else in another area. So I think the basketball landscape is much different than every other sport. I think in those AAU tournaments and and wherever, whenever they're younger, these... They get their hooks in deep when the kids like seven years old because these leagues too all of the great players travel around and play all summer in these aau leagues they're sponsored by adidas by nike by it like it's we it's a weird world how it works out and i'm sure they're allowed to give them like jerseys and their their shoes that they play in but like there's i don't know it's just such a weird world when they have a relationship with these superstars when they're in fifth grade what the fuck i told them to keep it down do you hear that no. There's a lumberjack on our fucking ceiling right now. Just, but What are they doing? I, we have no idea. We, it was supposed to be a one-day thing last week, and then it became an entire week it's thing. Like three weeks. And now it's been a month. I mean, they're taking the entire quarantine to try to hack a hole into one particular spot in our sky, I think. It doesn't make it. Whatever. They got to do what they got to do. They got to get better. And we're looking at other buildings anyway. So let's move forward, though. But this is all to sell shoes, I think. It seems like it all revolves around which shoe company is going to get which superstar in the future. Now, granted, the coaches, they want their players. But that's all coming from the shoe companies as well because teams are different, sponsored by different shoe companies. The basketball world is one where this G League thing can become a real viable option, I think, especially if shoe deals start going to these guys that are going to the G League, which are only inevitably going to happen, and TV deals and salary cap goes up. I think the G League is going to be a real problem for Mark Emmert and the NCAA, and I think Zion getting sued here by Gina and then counter-suing, I think this is going to expose it and probably expedite it all even more. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Like, and I want to know how deep it does go. We know there's all kind of stuff going on behind the scenes, but like, well, how rampant is it? And is it are, are there like average guys <laughs> getting stuff? I think so. Now, the the kid that's going in for the last what thirty five seconds when it's a blowout, mm-hmm. I don't think they're getting anything. But I would assume that most of the starters, everywhere that matter, have been getting money probably since they were children. For, from different shoe company, I would assume. And I think that's just kind of the way it goes. And now Gina's coming out about to expose it all. It's going to – could potentially burn the entire house down. Um, think how easy it would be to continue to accept money if, say, a, a shoe company or whatever, people started give, taking care of your family when you were in the sixth grade. You're, at, at first, they were probably like, oh, this is kind of weird. Is this illegal? I don't know. I'm not even – I'm barely in middle school. And then as time goes and you become a bigger and bigger star – and you start accepting money from multiple different people, it's probably just a normal thing. Like, what do you mean? Every All my buddies that are, that are good players, too, on my AAU team, like, this dude's got a house. That dude got a Ferrari. Like, all kind of stuff has to happen. Yeah, like every Christmas, you know, you got Adidas's gifts. You got Nike's gifts. Mm-hmm. Maybe every once in a while, Converse will try to sneak Ooh. in the back door. <laughs> Puma, maybe. Hey, Puma, Diodora coming in there, Fila, you know, all the boys showing up. What is it? Didn't D-Wade, did he have a shoe, like it was a Chinese shoe? Yeah. Well, let's not even think about Starberry too. Now, when Starberry comes, oh, still there. Dadas. When they come knocking, you got to jump on there. Dadas, yeah, of course. Spreewells, yeah. Spreewells, yeah. Ooh, I ride spinners. Well, will anyone? Spinners. Will there ever be a player in the NBA that they don't has the signature shoe that even is one 
fiftieth of what Jordans are. Oh like yeah, the yeah. Popularity. Oh yeah, Bron Bron. I wear Bron Bron shoes all the time. Kobe's good shoes. Kobe's got Kobe's. Good yeah, Kobe's the closest. Yeah. I love Kobe. Wait till Giannis gets in there. He's only got one pair out. I think one design. They are good, but nothing will be like Jordans. I mean, that's a whole entire world in and of itself. The, the sneakerhead department has lived. Kanye. The Yeezys, mm-hmm. there we go. Not another player, but Kanye. The Yeezys, I think, have demanded the similar amount of market as the Jordans mm-hmm. in a relatively fast time. Somehow, I think that has been something. But aside from that, I think the market's been too diluted by this point. Unless we get some, you know, some Diodora sponsorship that really gets going, <laughs> people are going to want our Diodorus. Yeah. Have you ever had Diodorus? No. Yeah, I had them in high school, and I posted a picture. Of me wearing them, and they got a lot of love by a lot of people. Like, I have no idea what Diodora is. Can you pop, no a, cut, pop a picture up? I forgot I even had them, by the way. Oh, they're good shoes. I forgot I even had them on. They were my cleats in soccer. I wore Diodorus. They had good patent uh, kangaroo leather, I believe. I think they had, that's why I wore them, because I got fat feet. You see, I got really wide feet, so I can't fit into all mm. the, the skinny stuff that a lot of people have. Did you put it up on a screen here? Seat's working. Here we go. It's from the Instagram. Oh, those uh, are shit. That's, shit. Not the, that's, that's not the ones. Those are not the. Keep, I just typed in Diodora. Those are dope. Can you go to my Instagram and just pull up that? Oh yeah. I mean, they look like what my mom wore when she was teaching uh, step aerobics. Those are in now, by the way. What your yeah. mom wore while teaching step aerobics are now in, and your mom actually taught step aerobics. Yeah. What is that? That's just like. Back when I was big, like at Vic Canny, those big workout places. What do you do? I don't know. I think you like choreograph an hour with music and everything and tell them, like, you got to do it. Like, step up to the right, then side shuffle, jump. Uh, so, square five, dancing? I think five push-ups is next. Step aerobics is square dancing? Hey, Copperhead Road comes on. <laughs> fucking everybody step aerobic, and it's within a four or five-mile radius. Look at those shoes right there. There's the Diodorus. You see those bad boys? Good. All right, frozen. He's, he's frozen. frozen. He's frozen. He's frozen. Oh, that's, frozen. That's, that's, oh my God. Look at how locked in he is. All right, let's do it. Fucking staring contest. Oh, oh. oh you won. Good win. Good win. Right. Great win. 2 0 now. Fucking right, I am. Those Theodora's got a lot of love in the comment section. They look comfortable. They're very, they're very comfortable. I said if we were in a different company, we would have gave away AJ Hawk's number there. Oh, yeah. ESPN kind of put us in a yes. bad spot. ESPN was FaceTiming with Trevor Bauer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that his name? Trevor Bauer? Mm-hmm. And they hung up on his FaceTime, or he hung up on the FaceTime, and it got all over the ESPN. He has since changed his voicemail into a game. I love that. Good <laughs> idea. Way to adapt and overcome by Trevor Bauer. I think he might be my new favorite player. I And I have his phone number already, so <laughs> might as well start texting some bitch. What is, what is the – um? there's like a lot of these celebrities have these phone number things. What is that? Wait, Somebody know no what that is? Like Tim Tebow. Zito's got mm-hmm. Tim Tebow's yeah. number. Oh, yeah, the yeah, text yeah. me. Yeah, the yeah, text me. It's the real number. It's definitely the real number. <laughs> I get one from Cavalier all the time. We just go. Jesus. Oh, traitor. I do, because I uh, bought a gift off of there one time off of her from her shop. Oh, and yeah. now I get texts all the time. Well, we're on Jay Cutler's she side. Well, yeah, we're definitely on Jay's side. Everybody knows we're on Jay Everyone Cutler's knows we're on side. Jay's side. We're made a hundred some fucking million. Let them chill for a minute, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um... What are we talking? Did you see the Diodoras before you froze there? I beat you in a staring contest, by the way. You're welcome. Well, uh, yeah, I did, but they 
Are they just soccer cleats or what are they? Yeah, they were just soccer cleats and then they ventured into the real world. But I don't think anybody ever gave Diodora enough love or credit like my comment section did. Look, there's there's yeah. one right there. Look at those boots, though. I mean, it's just <laughs> uh, there was a bunch of people that were like that. I mean, it was next level. Kevin Littleman, by the way, one of my teammates in high school soccer. Good guy. Really fast. Faster than I was. Yeah, he was. He was Chef. He's a he, good guy. Good dude. Chef. What position did you play in soccer? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Depending on what level of fitness I was at. You know what I mean? If I Wait, was that like a game-by-game game thing? No, it was like a year-by... I mean, I don't know. When I played cup soccer, I played striker. Okay? Cause, uh, That's goal scorer, right? Amen. Uh, when I played uh, ODP, I played middle back because uh, I was a big Donkey Kong-like guy. Mm-hmm. could hit the ball a long way. ODP Olympic Development Program, obviously. Uh, I played middle back there. I played goalie a couple times what? for the high school team. Yeah, I was I was all over the yard. Cup, I played up top. High school, I played up top and goalie. I mean, I played all over the yard, depending on depending on what the game called for. Good for you, man. You should get in one of those uh, like adult intramural leagues. I see them happening all the time at these big indoor facilities where my daughter plays. There's like old guy leagues where dudes are wearing – Timberlands and, and flannels playing. It's awesome. I want to join. I've been wanting to do that very I used to play in the offseason. I played in the league back in Pittsburgh in the offseason that nobody really knew about. I wasn't really. So if you got hurt, you're going to have to limp into the Colts facility oh, yeah. and act like you did it there? Oh, yeah. What was it? Uh, GPSL, I think is what it was yes. called. It was called the GPSL back in Pittsburgh. I played a couple games, played in a couple tournaments. We won. Shout out to us. Harmerville. Harmerville. Yeah. In uh, my first game back, they played like each week. They had games on, like, Sunday. So I'd go back to Pittsburgh in the offseason to have, like, a good time. That was where I used to vacation at because that's where all my friends were at. I'd go back. We'd party. And then Sunday or Saturday night, somewhere out, they'd be like, hey, you want to come to the game tomorrow? I'm like, sure. And they're like, bring your cleats. We'll get everything else. I'm like, you got it. So they would bring me shin guards, socks, the whole thing. And I'd play as some random person. And uh, I would be different because they would check your ID and everything before the game. I was some random person. I was just out there playing. I played like five, six games in two tournaments in the offseason. I was pretty good. First game back, I gave up a very easy goal. I was playing middle back. And I went to pass the ball. And I like duffed it. And it went right to the guy. And he just scored right in my face. And my friends were not happy. They were like, you son of a fucking bitch. You're coming to sabotage our entire thing. You stink, blah, blah, blah. I figured it out, though. I got back into the game. I got into better shape. It kept me in good shape. I would like to get back into one of those games, but I'm scared now that people might know who I am. They might go a little bit ham. You know what I mean? That's like I can't play pickup basketball because people are going to go so much harder on me than they normally would. That's just so, What's wrong with that? I don't know if I'm ready for all that. I don't want to have You don't to- want to be great? You watched Jordan. You've watched part seven and eight. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to have to get into that competitive. I would like mm-hmm. to just run around, kind of have fun with it, kick the ball around, not expect much. As soon as some fucking guy comes in sideways, it's going to be like, uh, okay, here we go. Now I, now I have to go. And to be honest, I am not in good enough shape to do that. So I might kill myself out there. But I have been looking into playing in an over 30 league. Can we Uncle Drew you? I don't think I'm that good at this point. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. We're just hiding, like hiding it, though, more than anything. We do have that old man mask. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It'd be tough to breathe and play in. Well, you couldn't see when you looked down. That was, you know, you remember I did that field goal kicking thing with the old man mask? Yeah. Okay, so we didn't try the old man mask on until 10 minutes before that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I get there. I put it on. It fits good. And we have no warm-up kicks, obviously, because we're back behind the thing. I get out on the field to do the first kick. I realize that when I look down to, you know, to kick the ball, the mask just slides up, right? So I was 
completely blindfolded, basically. So I would like have to look at the ball, and then I might as well just close my eyes and kick. I kicked what seven, eight blindfolded kicks to raise seventy thousand dollars. And the people that were in the crowd, they saw me miss a couple. They're like, "Boo this man!" or whatever. It was like, "Yo, I'm completely blindfolded at that point. Like I have no idea where the ball is. Bad idea. Probably should have practiced a little bit more." But we raised seventy grand. Thank God, the ball went in. There's the Bills punter saying, "Oh damn, I can't believe the old man made it." And then I take the mask off. Place goes crazy. We raise money. Hallelujah. Let's keep it moving. Do you really think people thought you were an, a legit old man? Oh yeah. Mask on? oh, yeah. I think so. I think What so. about the people that were really like on the field close to you? Vinatieri knew it was me as soon as I kicked the first ball. <laughs> I think the, a lot of the people who knew, and even some fans, I think, as soon as they saw me kick like the first one, they knew. But I do believe they thought I was old man there for a little bit. I couldn't see a fucking thing. I the, the mask was literally just right on top of my eyes every time I looked down. It was a wild, very nice mask, though, and a great idea by the Indianapolis Colts, in particular, Blue, who's the mascot. He thought of this particular idea. That is a great idea. Would it be? Would it have been weird if you were taking your mask off and like there's like a real little smattering and people are like, who's that? Who is that guy? Uh, yeah, that would have been. I mean, that was ultimately, you know, that's what wrestlers say whenever. Look at this guy. Hey, Pat. Good to see you. Good to see you too, pal. Hey, what's going on, bub? Hey, nothing. See you later. That was actually Bill Tierlink, John Tierlink's son, right there that hugged me at the end. John Tierlink just passed away, actually. Legendary defensive line coach who was with the Indianapolis Colts for a long time. A man who could drink 75 beers in one night if he wanted to. <laughs> a man who would coach from a golf cart. A man that was respected by everybody has passed away. Rest in peace to him. That's his son, Bill Tierlink, who currently coaches uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Good people. Rest in peace to them. But what a day. We should have tried that mask on a little bit earlier, though, I think. If you ever do something with a mask, AJ, I think people will know it's you because of the, the jaw. But you should practice <laughs> beforehand beforehand okay i'm trying to think of a scenario where i would be in a situation with a mask on in public doing something athletic but i'll think about it maybe we have you go to like a juco you know what i mean just do what jared goff did that did yeah. you see that when he was a mm-hmm. red bull oh yeah i saw that yeah <laughs> yeah we could yeah dress him up as an old man have yeah. him just destroy somebody on a golf course into a pond or something <laughs> that'd be cool oh like, like it's a golf outing that happens already maybe oh. he finishes yeah, the job yeah. on Hearn yeah. street yeah yeah <laughs> what'd you say maybe he finishes off Hearn street once and for all hey you retired him might as well put him to, to fucking bed pal <laughs> Hey, so Monday Night Football seems like it's coming down to you or Herbie and Fowler. It's not. I did an entire thing this morning. I can't do it again. It's not. Just saying. I've been told so many excuses on why I would not. doesn't get- matter. They're just trying to drive your rate down. They need a big splash name that's a polarizing figure, and that would be you. Well, my rate's not going down because there's a Brinks truck coming in three days. So my rate is not going down anywhere. And I'm at the point now where am I, am I at the point where I'm done with it? You getting close? I don't know. I'm getting close. It's like, come on. Come on. It's already May. I mean, they're going to make a decision pretty quick. Yeah. Well, or hopefully. Hopefully. They at, least they, at least they told Booger and Tess they weren't coming back because it was almost like everybody knew. They're, all for, they're trying to get every person they can possibly get, but technically Booger and Tess were still the crew, but at least they've made uh, that public. You know, I think they knew, right? They that, knew, but it was still weird when it wasn't officially announced like we weren't going to be there. That's why this weekend when that news came back out, I was very surprised. I was like, I thought we already all knew this, right? Didn't we already know this whenever they tried to throw $20 million at Peyton and Tony Romo and Drew Brees? And I thought we already knew that, but I guess the official statement hadn't been made. And to be honest, I, we might have thought it was new because 
I have said like, hey, if there's a chance to get in that booth, I wouldn't mind getting in that booth. But all the excuses that I've been told, they've been different every single time. It, it Listen, I have had the taste of denial before, my friend. And it, it feels like this was it. So every time I start getting tweets and stuff like that, I finally got to a point where I was like, listen, there is, I would love the job. I appreciate you guys tweeting me. You're the greatest humans on earth if you think that I should do that job because I think that as well. But there is no chance it happens. I've already asked a bunch of times and it's just like, nah, man, sorry, we want a quarterback. Meh, sorry we want a Hall of Famer. Meh, sorry we want somebody more polished. Meh, sorry we don't want a guy whose name is Patrick, any other name, or in a bad <laughs> spot. It just feels like there's only so many excuses they could potentially make. I think I have a feeling on what they're going to do, I think. What, Kurt Warner? No, they said they're going to hire within because the whole ESPN Disney pay cut thing that's going on right now. Yeah. I think it's going to be Orlovsky. I mean, it's, it's he or Lewis Riddick, uh, maybe a three-man booth. Who knows what they do? I think it's going to be – I think Orlovsky's going to be in there, and I think it's going to be Steve Levy, which, by the way, Steve Levy, Dan Orlovsky, myself, and Adam Amin called the national championship. Adam Amin's at Fox. I'm going to be on YouTube, and the other two get Monday Night Football. <laughs> quite an interesting – quite an interesting scenario. It's my life, though. Yeah. Quite well, an – I'll be watching. I, th- I, I haven't – Given up. I think that you are definitely in play. Well, listen, they've been said that the, they're not going to. I don't know. They said. Do you re- think they would enjoy the fact that they gave you the gig? If you're like, hey man, I need like a, I need a decent internet connection uh, from one to like two thirty because I do this YouTube show from my hotel. Well, that's the thing is I am loving what we're doing on the YouTube right now. Uh, our my show in the morning, our show in this afternoon. I love this. And by the way. It feels as if we're beating the living fuck out of a lot of other people who have a lot more resources, too. So, like, I am enjoying this a lot. Like, I, I, I do not want to lose this at all at this point. Especially, now, granted, if I would have been offered that gig, you know, like the fifth time they were turned down by somebody or something of that nature, maybe I'd be more excited. But the message I'm getting is like, ah, they want this, they want this, they want this. And also, they're not going to really be paying that much. It's like, well, I got a staff. Okay, I got employees. We got a show. It's better than a lot of other shows. I enjoy doing the show. The show is going to stay, my friend. And I'm not 100% sure they're all in on that either. So I probably haven't made it easy for them to hire me if I had to guess. But at this point, I'm, I, I have no chance of getting that gig anyways. I'm going to invest in what I enjoy, and that's what we do right here on the YouTube, AJ. Right that's here. smart. I mean, that's that's the, the beauty that is the freedom right now that there is with all these different platforms. Like, you can... Look what you've done. Look at all the groundwork that you have put in place and that you continue to do. So, yeah, you can do what you want. That's the beautiful thing. Bingo. We can do what we want. You know what we'll do, yeah. by the way? We'll stream live every single Monday night, and we'll get guests from the team's legendary guests, and we'll just kind of see how that goes. You know what I mean? We'll go. Yeah, like a watch-along like a watch along type deal. Bingo. Hey, bingo. Not fight companion. Monday night companion. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Uh, this is the Joe Rogan model. Now, granted, Joe Rogan, uh, the UFC has a brain, and they brought him in there like, okay, this guy, hilarious, knows the sport, will probably hype things up, and is also the best talk show host to ever exist. Let's get him in there. You know, maybe one day we'll get to that point where we get a chance to actually call real games. But until then, we'll do a Monday night companion. We'll bring in legendary guests during the game. We'll bullshit with them. We'll watch, and we'll just make Monday nights a thing, and we'll have a good time with it. That's what we'll do. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. I mean, I, I like that idea. That works. We'll have to set something up in my house, though, because I'm not driving down here every Monday night. Just want to let you be known. Agreed. Lil Wayne. Have you seen Lil Wayne Radio? No. Oh, what's he doing? He's got some sort of studio. He's got some radio thing happening on Apple. They built him a studio, I think, at his house. It is awesome. Oh. 
got a big ass TV. Stephen A. Smith was on it with him last week. He's doing, he had Eminem on last oh, it's week. Where, crazy does, show. where does this air? Uh, it's on Apple. I don't know where. I tried to find it last week. I tried to find it my, because he was interviewing Eminem, and I thought a Lil Wayne Eminem conversation is probably one I'd like to hear. Yeah. And I tried to find it. I hit four different links. I couldn't fucking get to it. Yeah, there it is. There's the uh, entire thing. He plays music, obviously, as a DJ. Then he does interviews and then music and then the whole thing. But I couldn't find where the Eminem interview was happening at anywhere. Shaq? He's got Shaq. DJ Khaled, Drake, and Shaq on that episode, I believe. Wow. Or you know what you could do? You could park that box truck in your driveway. Oh, that box truck! I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, man. Not as much room as we thought, man. <laughs> a little bit tight in there. A little bit tight. But I would. You can turn that box truck, that back of that thing, into like a man cave like feel. Oh, yeah, you could. Could probably do that. Make it a little more comfortable. Yeah, put a couple TVs up There's there. A gotcha, dude. Mm. Yeah, and we already got the service thing in there, so we would have to be able to go lock. That's the move, AJ. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. Zito, one extra because he loves you. Hey, you know Pistol? I, I saw him yesterday for Mother's Day, but he's my father, and he said he's ha he has two pairs of Shady Rays. He's had them for years. Or not years. He's had them for a long time. Hey, you know what? That's a good call. What he should get next, I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking he should get next, man? What's that? I'm thinking he should get a pair of... Bird every, dogs? No. Everybody talks about, you know, headphones. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. We are in a headphone, wireless headphone society at the moment. Now, mine are at my house because I took them home to work out in. And to be completely candid, I did not expect them to be as good as they are. These E25 Raycon everyday earbuds with no dangling stems or wires, they fit my ear perfect. You know how we have weird ears? We've talked about this. Yes, we do. They fit. They have multiple options for your ear hole. Okay, uh -huh. it's like small, next to small, medium, large, extra large, and you put it in your ear, and it's like uh, you know back in the day whenever you would put like earplugs in, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. it kind of fits to your ear like that. Nice. It was noise isolating, and it, you know what it had? The boom booms, oh, which is more. Nice. I need the boom booms. I need the boom booms whenever I'm listening to some when I'm working out or whatever. I need to hear Jeezy and Ross going as hard as they possibly can in the Raycon E25 earbuds do that just as well. And they're half the price, by the way. They got the boom booms, they fit perfectly, and they're half the price. I thought it was at max ear volume level. Yeah. And I was like, okay, these are pretty loud. I need a little louder. I looked at my phone. My phone was only oh, at half. Oh, I had to turn the phone up all the yeah. way. And I heard the boom, 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 boom. I love the boom booms. I need the boom booms. You know what I mean? Is like, that how you turn your volume up? You do this on your phone and you swipe sideways? No, no, no. I, well, on, t on the side of the screen, you can see how high it goes, by the way. You know that? Okay. Did you know that? Yeah, of course. You didn't know that? I just use the side the side button, click up. But you can click it one time, and then you can actually use your finger. Oh, yeah. You see, to move. Oh, it. I've never done that. Yeah, actually. Oh, oh, look at me! Oh, oh well, oh, well, well. Oh, oh, look at that! Oh, How about it? What fucking thought? <laughs> <laughs> what is that a? I didn't know. That is either. that a framed picture? I still oh, yeah. can't figure out what. It's what's so gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, so someone, I mean, someone came in and painted tell it that dude to get on some squats the yeah this guy's got dead legs pal looks like Foxy's legs I knew it was coming <laughs> AJ Hawk's uh, face Boston Connor's upper body yeah and Foxy's legs <laughs> not a bad little portrait wait is the centaur a Picasso 
No, I don't think. Mm. Is it? Oh, <laughs> could it be? Oh. <laughs> is it really? No way. I don't. I, can't, I don't remember actually. Now. It definitely so. is. No. You said it was a paper mache thing. That's no. The, 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 the guy who did it has his. Uh, he signed it. You'll see. No one's stroke game is that good. Yeah, <laughs> if a guy's no. balls. Oh, I, okay. All right. Now you just challenged Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> He has a lot of Picasso has a lot of Michael Jordan in him. I feel and if someone sends him a clip, there's going to be a painting and a DVD coming to the house soon. How about George Carl, by the way? Uh, just not saying hello to Jordan in his town in his restaurant. Just walking by, and Ahmad Rashad or Ahmad Rashad said that MJ said, "Oh, it's the NBA Finals, and you think you're just not going to say hello to me? It's on. It's fucking yeah, on." Jordan said, "That's all I need." Oh, okay, cool. It's all I need. It's the NBA Finals, by the way. <laughs> that guy's outrageous. Think about just accidentally hanging around him for a day. Every single thing. Every single thing would be an old. I used to be like that, by the way. That's how I know that that is potential. You know, I kind of grew out of it. I think it was uh, the marijuana smoke. But every single thing could have been a competition at any moment. Any, anything could have. Uh, trash? Okay. Shoot five. I'll shoot five. Loser has to uh, fucking run around the house or something. Like, my brother's life had to be miserable there for a while. <laughs> Everything was a competition. I bet you Jordan is still like that to this, to oh, this day. Sure. Every single thing. Who gave? Who can talk about the most sensitive subjects for the longest and not cry? <laughs> Break. There was one time That's we got back to your house, and you wouldn't let us go inside until one of us hit the telephone pole with a snowball. Bingo. Who hit it? You did, of course. Thank man. you. Thank you. Well, they probably weren't trying at the end of it, by the way. They were probably just like, hurry the fuck up. Hit the thing so we can get out. It was freezing out. It was. But I was, you, by the way, I'm not going to say it. I'm one of the best snowball throwers ever existed. <laughs> I am one of the best. One is of that, the, Is that really what you, you paused? Well, <laughs> I just thought about that. The fact that we had to wait is not normal. I get a snowball, that son of a bitch is going to hit. I'm like a. It's I like, thought we weren't supposed to be like a hot take show. Well, that's not a hot take. I'm just stating a fact. I am a snowball savage. I mean, it's like Chris Kyle with me and those snowballs. Oh, We're talking about sniper. Like, what do you mean? You put some you, you put some water over them so they're like a little, an ice ball? No, because in Pittsburgh, we had good snow all the time. It was like moist. We had a naturally wet snow. Yeah, we had good snow. And I realized that that's not normal everywhere, by the way. Once you come out to Indiana, there's a little bit more of a dry snowball. Fluff. And by the way, I have competed Stupid against people stuff. that put rocks inside snowballs. I do not Ooh. do that. I don't need that, okay? What I'm hitting you with is a pure, clean Pittsburgh soot-filled snowball <laughs> that is going to be precision-like throwing at your face. That is what I'm coming for. Lake effect snow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's lake effect snow. Lake Erie, by the way, is the one we're coming from. Heard of it? Heard of it? Never. It's the E in Holmes. Yeah. Huron, October, Yep. Michigan, Erie, <laughs> Superior. Mm -hmm. yep. Anyways, October. Huh. Yeah. Where's October? It's right there in between the H&M. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. It's in okay. Canada. Oh, it's you ever pee on a snowball and throw it at somebody? <laughs> no, because then you melt your snowball, then you can't, it won't stay. You definitely together. have, AJ. You definitely You're throwing have. yellow snow at people? No, I, I haven't. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. You yeah, yeah, probably yeah, coat yeah. the outside with pee and try to hit the dude in the face. Probably yeah. rub their yeah. face yeah. in it. Yeah, that's no, never. I, I am a good, clean snowball thrower. That's what I like to do. Oh, we heard. Yeah, the best there is. We heard. <laughs> I still believe that, by the way. Cause I last can't wait till Michael Jordan hears that. He's coming. <laughs> I, even this past snow season I was out in the front yard I was out in the front yard Just wanted to see if I still had it <laughs> It's 
fucking sniper. <laughs> tree bing, Please. tree bing, tree bing. Hey, tell tell your girl next time that that happened, next snowfall, I'm going to have to reach out to her and be like, hey, Please set a GoPro up in the side yard and watch Pat throw snowballs at trees by himself. It's sad. I'll get home, right? I'll get because at the house where we grew up at, my brother and I, you get home and so you got to walk up steps. And once you get to the top of steps, we had a bunch of bushes to our left, and then there was a telephone pole, like in between our house and the next house, but it was a little bit away. I mean, I, Jay and I have probably sat on those steps throwing snow at that telephone pole. I. I Probably more than a hundred hours of our life just doing that. <laughs> I would I would assume that's the case. So now when I get home, for some reason I have like a bush there. I'll just like just natural instincts. I'll just pick it up and I'll pick out a target. And then obviously once you hit one, you're like, oh, throwing pretty fucking good today. Let's go for something else. Birdhouse, bing. Okay, let's go ahead and get another one. But you know you just start going. It's like still got it. That's good to know. If a big snowball ever fights out, for the sake of humanity, I think I should be one of our representatives. That is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I concur. I'll put you up there. Well, you got to pack it too, though. If you don't pack, it's the most it, important part. If you don't, some people get. That's it, why you got to get some some liquid in there to make it pack better. Well, see, I don't. I didn't grow up in any dry ass town. I, I came from a town where the snow came ready to get thrown. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. The, out here, every once in a while. We'll get a good snow, and I think that's when I really start getting wild with mm -hmm. the snowballs. But when that dry ass snow is out there, you just can't. They start breaking up whenever you have to. You have to have a nice powder. I'm a little bit nervous. I can't wait to. I cannot wait to hear old Emmett is his name correct. Emmett mm -hmm. go over the yeah. minutes of these last seven minutes. Earlier show forgot to have him do his minutes. A lot of people were saying rest in peace to Emmett and shit like that. Rest in peace. <laughs> it's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame. He didn't die. I just forgot about it. Anyways, these E25 <laughs> Raycon earbuds. Oh, yes. Here we go. I forgot. My bad. Go. How could you forget about the greatest earbuds? There's I've no had? dangly. There's no dangly things or whatever. So sometimes oh. when they're in your ear, you forget they're even in your ear. Bingo. And we would use them right now if we could, but we're plugged into something that doesn't have Bluetooth yeah. capability. Mm -hmm. These Raycon, they connect fast and efficient. By the way, you don't have to be a brainiac. You open your phone settings, Bluetooth, bingo, bango. You're in there. They got good power. They hear great. And by the way, have you ever heard of Snoop Dogg? He loves them. How about Melissa Etheridge, Diggs? Love her. J.R. Smith. Definitely. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 So right now, go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk and get 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk for 15% off your order. This is obviously brought to you by Raycon. They are very good earbuds. They're kind of interesting because I've never put something just in my ear before. You know what I mean? Like normally there's something that you can pull out. You just put that son of a bitch in there and it's just like for my ear, it fit perfectly. And yeah, for, for weird ears. You're right. They should market for weird ears because I think you and I both share that where nothing stays in there. Nothing stays in my damn ear. Nothing. Can't do it. Won't do it. That's why when I had a hole in my eardrum, I couldn't even wear the things that would clog my ear because it, the water would seep in. And now all of a sudden I got green ear or whatever for a week and a half. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Are you done with the show for today or what? No, I'm just, uh, yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we're, we're we're wrapping up shortly, but yeah, I'm just thinking when, when, how old were you? When? When you had a hole in your eardrum. Ah, uh, this is me and Chris Kyle. This is another thing we got mm -hmm. along. So I, um, you ever read Lunch or, or Nope, Sniper? Like, the reason I'm laughing about this is because I, I don't picture you as a kid having this. I picture you as like a 28 year old with a hole in your ear and you're freaking out when you can't go do gainers at a backyard pool park. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're picturing it accurate. I was uh, 21 whenever I busted uh, my eardrum. 
spring break, tried to fight a wave, wave busted on my ear. All of a sudden, we think it's clogged. I go get that acid that's supposed to unclog your ear with water, burned a hole through the thing. Even further, thought I lit my brain on fire. <laughs> then we go back to the West Virginia, and I say, hey, something's up with my ear. I think I got water in my ear or whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, you got a hole in it or whatever. And I was like, oh, great. So I couldn't hear anything. It was like this for, what, a year at least. And they couldn't do the surgery because you can't do anything for four weeks. Zero physical activity for four weeks. It's like, well, I don't ever have that in my life. So I just had to wait for my ear to cure itself. Didn't do it for like a decade. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, I, what is that, six, seven months ago, I go to an ear doctor yeah. and he gives me some drops. He's like, we think you're on the back end of it. Thinks it's curing itself. So for a long time, I couldn't go underwater. Literally. That's why whenever they said that I went swimming in the canal, I was like, I would never in a million years do that because I got a hole in my eardrum. I wouldn't fucking go in water. Now, did I fall in potentially, but I'm not swimming anywhere because I literally can't swim anywhere because I had a hole in my eardrum for a long time. It's, it is devastatingly painful. Oh. It is so bad. But it can mess, Couldn't that mess up like your whole, like your balance and everything oh, too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like vertigo? Yeah. So that year, that football year, I couldn't hear anything out of my right ear. Right? So that season, it was just like I was listening in stereo, basically. It was a fucking wild wild time but that's what you get whenever you're drunk on a beach trying to fight a wave and it breaks is it a different is it a different crime in indianapolis if you fall into the canal instead of voluntarily jump in and swim these are all alleged okay this was their story i was just walking down the street whenever i was placed in handcuffs and also what are those called around your shackles around the feet that that i was just walking down the street shirtless at 4 a.m whenever they caught me pal I don't know anything about that alleged canal incident. They're the ones that alluded to the fact that I potentially went swimming. That's why the story goes so big. Guy swimming in canal, drunk, punter, Colts, bang, TMZ, wasted with six A's. And, and it's all a lie. I think it's all a lie. I did have a bruise right here, though. I think I did fall in pretty hard. I think I did. But There's got to be some kind of surveillance footage around of this. I could have been sweating, though. I'm a dancer. I could have sweat pretty hard. I sweat. I could have went into a jacuzzi, maybe. Maybe I went yeah. into a jacuzzi. It was hot out. Nobody, it was very cold, actually. It was like 29 degrees outside. Out. So who knows? Who knows? But I know I want to go in there on purpose because the hole in my damn eardrum is devastating. Even drunk, blacked out me wouldn't do that. Should have brought a doctor's note to court. Well, it was just public intoxication. The canal didn't matter. That was just for their, you know, that was how they sensationalized the story. So mm-hmm. everybody. Oh, yellow okay. journalism. Get yeah. clicks. You know what I mean? Get click, clickbait. Yeah, it's like Billy Tubes yeah. back here. Like the cops, Billy Classic. Tubes. Click, clack on the whole thing. You know what I mean? Click, click, clack. Click, clack. Click, clack. Click, 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 click. Shout out to E25 Raycon earbuds, though, honestly. Yes. Are we done with this show? Yeah, I thought you wanted to do the minutes to wrap it up. Oh, fuck. Good call. <laughs> I forgot again. Oh, my God. I almost completely forgot. Emmett, ladies and gentlemen, we have an intern. His name is Emmett. He has some fresh J's on. Had a great weekend. And these are the minutes from today's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. We started out talking about some UFC, talked about some fucked up faces, some Dave Cormier. Yeah. Uh, Talked about Greg. Daniel. Daniel. That's it. It's Daniel Cormier. Dave Coulier. What'd you get? You didn't get. That's a new thing, by the way. As soon as he makes a mistake, it's over. That's tough. Tough day. Tough day. Didn't even get a a chance in first show. (laughs) Sorry, Mitt. And then what? He didn't even get through this. (laughs) And Mitt. Uncle Dave Cormier. That's a tough one. Cut it. (laughs) <laughs> um, he just signed his contract too just signed his contract oh, Jesus, man. All right, first of all congratulations yeah. Yeah. signs his contract immediately gets worse oh. what happens got he got comfortable what happened there you don't know who Dave Cormier is 
No, I do not. I'm just getting into uh, some fighting. Oh, you're starting to fight people? <laughs> no, nah, just watching it. <laughs> just, I guess to Emmett's defense, we did refer to him as DC multiple times. Yeah, that's tough. Then he could have put DC that, in there. But then. never once as Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, I DC would have been just taking the safe a shot bet. on Dave. <laughs> What's Dave a guess? Oh, Dave is God. probably a guess. Yeah, I don't know where I would have. Like a Dale Corey. Bro, there's a I lot. Respect the, I respect the. The confidence to just throw Dave in there. Like, yeah, Jesus awesome. just put DC. <laughs> that's awesome. What's the most likely D name here? Yeah, it got to be David. got to be. Yeah, I'll tell you what, a lot of the comment sections, rest in peace, Emmett. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. A lot of people saying Emmett's potential on some vitamins. Kid can't read. Oh, oh Emmett. All right, man. Oh, no. You know what? Emmett's going to come back tomorrow stronger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oh, yeah. Wednesday. It's like when Jordan got beat. <laughs> yeah. what, what was the first game he got beat and he came back and just annihilated it? Well, that was because old BJ Dawkins or uh, Hawkins or uh, Armstrong. Armstrong was screaming in his face. He knew better than that is what MJ said. This is Emmett's going to be our intern minutes Michael Jordan. A lot of people in the comment section saying he can't do it. A lot of people in the comment section saying this kid can't listen, type, and then read at the same time. <laughs> Emmett's going to say on Wednesday, I'll show you motherfuckers. Ain't that right, Emmett? Yeah. Emmett even Is he shot. skipping Tuesday or what? Yeah, what do you, you said he didn't have class anymore. No, I have uh, two finals tomorrow. Oh. oh. Big study night. What's the second one? Wait, online finals? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's had one cheat, since Saturday. Can you Google all the answers? He's had one since Saturday. He hasn't even opened it. We asked him what one of the questions was. He couldn't even he couldn't even think about telling us. Right? Do, do they yeah, keep you? How, how do they not? Uh, <laughs> like, can't you just cheat the whole time and get 100%? Uh, the ones that you have, like, a time or no time period is, like, basically a paper. And then the okay. time period ones, like. Will you get one of yeah, those essay questions out that. here right now? Can you do that? Uh-oh. Mitt, pull it up. Well, he, he hasn't looked at the test yet. He's been running heavy machinery all week. I am so. He's <laughs> <laughs> got that big cat hat on. Hey, three for three with hats on. Caterpillar. He's, he's got good hats. Good hats. Hey, and good shoes, shoes too. Well. And the t-shirt. I mean, so he's Emmett, doing right. His fits have been well. Emmett slaughters the uh, optics yeah. of intern, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And his minutes haven't been that bad either. But no, we, no. Had, we had to institute something. It was like, all right, how do we get... Because Emmett's got a long list of minutes it's like we have to have him compete for something it's like okay first mistake he's done and this just so happened to be the first time we really did it and it was in his first sentence i mean that's tough we didn't even get to what 110 no. we didn't even get to 105 no, yeah. in the minutes sorry right. do you have the question uh yeah it's pretty long okay uh so select one of the following questions and write about it on our last day together we tried to make maps of the semester's theories that's the goals stupid. Um, to Skip be that. able to <laughs> <laughs> beginning in the fall of 2016 all DePaul first year students were required to take a course which has power privilege and diversity designated in order to fulfill requirements of graduation we discussed a number of theories which do you address issues of PP- PPD Write an essay that explains the PPD elements of several of these theories with an eye towards persuading a committee. Jesus Christ. That, next yeah, one. Yeah. Next one. God, that, they're giving you no hope. Yeah, you're an easy shot one. in hell with that yeah, one. You got no shot. What's the next one? Uh, define an organization that constitutes a culture. Here like, we go. You, oh, here we go. Here we go. How do you know they here. are a culture? What is the impact of communication on that culture? What was the impact of communication on its 
for formation or its current pra- practice. Jeez. <laughs> we have so, a, I mean, we, that's the one. Right about us. Mitt, right about your experiences here for Christ. Yeah, this shocking. is a culture. It's a toxic culture. How do you know this is a culture? Millions and millions. To finish each other's sentences, there's catchphrases. The culture is one where you have to show up and work, and if you're wrong, you get punished. Yep. There's accountability. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. Here we go. Let's get an A in the culture of PMI. Yeah. Taking out perps and greens. Yep. They kill aliens. <laughs> Shot gang. Yeah. Uh, they got friends in AJ Hawk who yeah, reads a lot cool. of books. You should talk about that. There's yeah, a guest yeah. that comes in, Uncle AJ, who comes in with thousands of books read. You also have a picture of him taking a shit right over the shoulder of one of the culture. I think that one's an easy one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Is that scored out of 10 or what is it? Um, we'll see. I think it's about a thirty percent of oh, thirty points out of a hundred. Oh, hey Emmett, what's defined like? What defines culture? Oh Jesus. Um, culture could be defined as. Wait, you're nailing it. You're delaying. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is the good way to communicate. By uh, <laughs> what goes on at a place that nailed it. Uh, yeah. Happens. What is culture? That is the question. Uh, <laughs> that is a good question. That would be. I think that would be great. If you you should pose that question back to the teacher. What is culture? <laughs> you tell me, teacher. <laughs> what culture are you referring to? Oh my god. Emma, you got no shot, Bob. <laughs> is there another question? Or if that takes up 30%, what's the other ones? What's the other 70%? Uh, there were the two that you just told me to skip over. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're fucked, dude. You Good luck. No you shot. have to do this by tomorrow? Pulling hard for this kid. Pulling hard for this There's kid. There's no wrong answer to that, that question. That one is You can make it Thursday. whatever you want. Oh, yeah, God. All right. Good luck, Emmett. I hope you, uh, you got to write all these by tomorrow. Yeah, well, those two are uh, that test is due Thursday. I have a an accounting test Ooh. tomorrow, oh, and then my uh, Greek and Latin words class oh. is uh, also. Oh, tomorrow. I want to see that God. test. The Greek and Latin one. I want to see him read that and go through some of the answers. He got no. This kid's got no hope. I mean, what are you gonna? He got, he got Madden at least what this yeah. afternoon. <laughs> when are you gonna fit in time to do all these finals? I don't know. We got we got Madden League at eight p.m. Right? <laughs> That's part of the toxic culture you can write about. Whoa! Hey! Whoa. Hey! Hey! Jeez. I, think, I didn't. Down. I didn't bring it up. Was it Moraldo? I think yeah, said toxic. Was Moraldo? I didn't say toxic. I it would never use that. It's unbelievable. Come on, son of a bitch. All funny games, so it gets toxic around here. Is this show over, Emmett? It's been, it's been a fun run, you in college, huh? <laughs> yeah, we got another year. Do we? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. We will see. Yeah, keep Maybe saying that. Two. Maybe keep two. Keep saying it, Cal. <laughs> Maybe it'll come true. Might be taking the same one over again next year. I would like everybody in the comment section to drop an F for good luck uh, for our guy Emmett going Mm -hmm. through. And to represent his grade. (laughs) 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 From myself, AJ Hawk, and all the boys, we can't thank you enough on this Monday, May 11th, for watching McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. The greatest sports talk show on the internet. One to two is the standard time. Come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on July. Let me hear it. It's McAfee and Hawk. It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks, and he's a rust belt kind of guy. AJ Hawk. That's the punter of the decade for the 2010. Kicking piss with some serious guy. It's McAfee and Hawk. AJ Hawk.
So sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about the greatest shorts to ever exist. Okay, everybody knows I got big thighs. Skies out, thighs out. Quad father, all these things. So finding shorts is not easy. It's not easy to find shorts that fit. It's not easy to find things that are comfortable and move with me and have the liner inside that acts as boxer briefs, but is even more comfortable because it's not actually a part of the, you get it. It is bird dogs. Bird dogs are gym shorts with a built-in silky soft inner liner that makes underwear obsolete. Ha, obsolete. They also make the best pants that I've ever worn. When you put these shorts on, you're going to be like, hey, I understand way back in the day, way back in the day, they tried to make the bathing suits that had the thing that held your kit and caboodle together. They were trying to eliminate underwear so you didn't have to get your underwear wet when you jumped in the pool. Well, bird dogs came along, revolutionized it, and made the most comfortable thing ever. You don't have to put on underwear, and you can wear these shorts in the gym. You can wear them in the pool, and you can even wear them to an office meeting if you have to. They look damn good, and the pants are fantastic as well. Right now, you go to birddogs.com and enter promo code PAT, and they'll throw in a free pair of nunchucks. Yup. You heard it. Nunchucks. You'll get an actual murder weapon along with your pair of bird dogs. That's birddogs.com, promo code PAT, and boom, free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. They are fantastic. I worked out on them today. I'll sleep in a pair tonight. You'll enjoy the hell out of them. Birddogs.com, promo code PAT. You get a free pair of nunchucks. Hi! We're being joined now by a man who's once a general manager in the NFL, friend of the show, has done all things. Now he works for VSIN. He has uh, the GM Shuffle as a podcast. Big brain. Every time he talks, I learn something. Ladies and gentlemen, Paisan, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Thank you, Pat. That's awful nice of you on a Monday. I appreciate you. Happy Monday. Have you been watching the last dance? Last night was awesome watching him just bury and ridicule his teammates saying, hey, you get to my level or you get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen last night's. Uh, I I watched Billions instead. I'll come back on it tomorrow. I tape it so I can go through the commercials, but I'll get to it. I I, I mean, I loved it. it. I think it's great. I think the most ridiculous thing I've seen in the whole time is Jerry Krause celebrating on the team plane after they beat Detroit. He was dancing. Yeah. I love Scottie Pippen. Go sit down, Jerry. I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> you know, the one thing I learned being a GM in the NFL, I would never go in the locker room or near the play. Like, that was their sanctuary. Smart. You know, you can't go in there, You're, especially for the guy that controls their money, right? You know, because they're not going to like you no matter what happens, right? So, uh, to me, he looked like a huge, fat fan doing that. <laughs> oh, a BFS. We call those big, fat stooges around here. But, yeah, you're 100% right. Kraus has been the BFS of that entire thing. But watching the insides of them be competitive, ultra – I mean, it's in, by the way, I'm picking up holding cigars now because I feel like it makes me a little bit more like Jordan. <laughs> I'm getting right to the top. Let's talk about football, a thing that you know very well, including contracts, controlling money, which you just referenced. Stephen Jones this weekend on Pro Football Talk PM – 
made a quote basically about the analytics and the data that says if a quarterback takes up too big of a, a salary cap percentage, that decreases your chances to win, which I've been on this kick for a long time. Whenever you saw Russell Wilson have success with the Legion of Boom, they, he was on a rookie contract. They were able to build up around him, have a lot of success. The Rams, whenever Jared Goff was on his rookie contract, they were able to build up around him, have a lot of success. The Colts, whenever we had luck, could have built up around him, had a lot of success. I thought that the model was going to be young quarterback, build the team up around them. Then whenever it's time for him to get re-upped or made man, can he win the games all by himself? If he can, let's pay him. If he can't, let's go with a younger model. Do you think Stephen Jones is buying into that? And is that potentially what the future of the NFL is going to look like? You know, I think Stephen can get himself out of most problems with his cash flow. So I think they're a unique situation, but I think where they gain a huge advantage is they draft really well. I mean, they have a really good player personnel department. I think the examples, look, everybody talks about Russell Wilson on a, on a light contract, but that draft that John Snyder had the first time he was in Seattle gets Cam Chancellor in the third, in the fifth round, gets all of a sudden he gets, you know, Richard Sherman in the fifth round. He gets a bunch of really good players in one single draft. And I think that's what you have to have. You've got to be able to draft really well. And even if you have to pay your quarterback, you still you have to draft well. It, it, it isn't about just it's easy, okay, we got a cheap quarterback, we're going to make our run. No, you got to be able to draft real. You have to have a marquee draft. You've got to have a draft that separates you. The Patriots, Hernandez, Gronk. You know, you got to have one of those things, and then you can get to the next level, assuming you have the quarterback. And the Cowboys draft really well. The Cowboys are, they were 31st in the National Football League last year in close games. <clears throat> those are games decided by seven points or less. They couldn't win those games. They had the worst special teams in all of football. Mm -hmm. If they, everybody gives Dak so much crap, but if they fix those two areas, they'll be much better. The other thing they did that I thought was really smart, signing Andy Dalton and all this nonsense from Des Bryant and everybody saying that's a slap at Dak. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life, okay? Donovan McNabb saying it's, it's disrespectful. No, they just went into Philly last year. If you remember, Dak had a bad shoulder. Mm. And he got injected before the game. He got injected at halftime. They lost the game, right? Right? Yeah. They lost that game because they did not they weren't going to put Cooper Rush in the game. They couldn't do that. That was a guaranteed loss. Had they had an Andy Dalton, maybe they would have played Andy Dalton that week and tried to beat the Eagles with their backup quarterback. This was not a slap at, at Dak Prescott. They're going to pay Dak Prescott ridiculous money. They're going to pay him ridiculous money. It was a, that signing of Dalton was to protect themselves as a Super Bowl contending team to have have a ability if they lose Dak for a game or two they can play i think having a quality backup is something that you i don't want to say a necessity in the nfl but it gives you a lot more you know ease to sleep at night knowing that if your guy that you're banking on goes down for a couple weeks look matt moore i don't want to say the guy is a stud quarterback but last year whenever patrick mahomes goes down matt moore comes in a veteran quarterback was able to get them some wins same thing with teddy bridgewater for the saints it feels like these teams that have a pretty solid backup quarterback especially even get at a good rate three million dollars for Andy Dalton I feel like is a good rate it can go up to a seven I don't think that changes anything with Dak but I do believe them talking like that Stephen Jones saying that type of stuff is that them setting up leverage here in their negotiation with Dak even more or why is he even saying that you think well I, I think what he's trying to do is when, when this comes out that they're going to make Dak the highest paid player in football he's trying to protect himself against the, the, the now they've ruined their chances of winning because they gave all this money to Dak okay 
I think that's what he set himself up. The, the problem between Dak and the Cowboys is not over money. It's over length. Dak wants four years. He wants another taste of the apple. The Cowboys want five. Eventually, Jerry will get it done because Jerry, as I've said before, could talk a cat off the top of a fish truck. So eventually, he's going to get it done. The, the reality here is I think that the, every move they've made is to protect themselves because they got a really good football team. And when you look at the Eagles schedule compared to the Cowboys schedule, that Eagles schedule has cluster of games that are really hard, October and December, clusters where you're playing three or four teams in a row that are hard to play. The Cowboys don't quite have that as much. So, you know, for the betting public that listens to this show, I love the Cowboys on the over. I love the Eagles on the under. Okay, so let's – I like. thank you for that, FanDuel. I'll be able to hammer that right after this show, <laughs> I will spend. I lost a lot of money this week on the UFC. Bet all the underdogs. Only a couple showed up for me. But let's go back to what you were talking about the draft because you said a name there that uh, made my eyes light up. Obviously, Aaron Hernandez. Could you fathom if that man could have figured out a way not to kill people? How good the Patriots would have been with him and Gronk? He, he was better than Gronk, right? I mean, isn't that kind of the state the sentiment? Pat, in all my years in scouting, I think when I would watch Hernandez play, his lateral quickness in and out of his cuts was rare. Now, I'm not talking about great. I'm talking about rare. I mean, that when he put his foot in the ground and separated from the defender, it was a burst unlike anything. I've, it was a Barry Sanders burst. And, I mean, that's a high con. This kid, now, he wasn't a t- for, for, for the tough guy that he pretended he was in court. He, he wasn't really a tough – he wasn't really going to block. He would tie, but his hands were elite. His quickness was elite. Now, he didn't run a great 40 time, but it didn't matter because he could separate from everybody. I agree. See, what they, what they could do with Hernandez and Gronk is they could line up in 12, one back, two tight ends, and be in any formation they wanted to be. They could take Gronk and Hernandez and spread them out. Now they're in 10. They could, they could keep Gronk in the game, spread Hernandez out. Now they're in, thir- now they're in 11. You know, and as a defensive coordinator, you had to make adjustments, but you had a substitute. They didn't. And that's the key to football. It's the same thing with the Bulls. One of the things when you watch this last dance, the Bulls didn't really have to substitute to create matchup problems for their opponent. They could just shift players from three to four. Pippen, you go one. Jordan, you play three. And all of a sudden now, the opponent had to change what he was doing. That's the essence of greatness right there. Well, and they say that's why Taysom Hill is such a weapon, too, because the defense doesn't know exactly where the hell he's going to line up, so they have no idea if it's 12 or if he's playing quarterback. They have no idea, which is the deception of the whole thing. Can I get back to Aaron Hernandez for just another second, though? Because I do have – did you guys, now that I've just learned that you were part of the scouting of him, was there any heads up that he's potentially a stone-cold serial killer? No, the knock on Hernandez coming out at Florida, if you talk to the people down there, and, I, and again, I'm not blaming anybody. I wasn't working for the Patriots at the time. I was, I was working in, 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 uh, in, in for the Raiders. The word, the word on the time, but I had a lot of conversations with Bill about him. The reality of Hernandez was it was all about marijuana. It was all about he liked to smoke dope. That was, that was the narrative coming out of Gainesville. You know, and, and it wasn't that he grew up on the mean streets of – Brockton, Mass- Brockport, Connecticut, you know, I mean, it was like you could see the neighborhood he grew up in in the documentary. It wasn't like he was in a, you know, in, in the inner inner city of, of Harlem or someplace that's really rugged like Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Connecticut. So, no, it was more about it was more about uh, 
marijuana. When he got to New England and talking to the people that were with him in New England, he was a loner. He was very aloof. He wasn't a good teammate. He did everything he had to do, but he never socialized with other people. It's interesting because usually weed would, you know, make you not kill people. <laughs> like, yeah, you would eat more pizza and gain weight, right? You whoa, know? whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not stereotype my favorite vitamin here. It also maybe make you work hard, look deeper into things, maybe become a better writer, maybe a musician, things of that. It's, it's legal. We could talk about it any way we want. Bingo. Not in Indiana, but hey, let's uh, we'll keep it moving here. For you, um, the big storyline after the draft going into the season is what? What do you think the big storyline is right now? Do you think it's how does Bill Belichick do without Tom? Because if you listen to the way Tom or Bill talked to Rich Eisen on schedule release night, he's like, I don't see what the big deal is. We just play to our player strengths and keep it moving. Do you think it's Tom at Tampa Bay? Do you think it's maybe uh, will the LA Rams uh, stadium get built in time? Like, what do you think is the big storyline right now coming into the well, season? Well, I mean, obviously, it's where are we going to play games? How are we going to play games? I mean, you know, you could just look at Tesla today. Tesla can't get their plan open in Fremont, California. And Elon Musk is talking about moving, right? And so are we actually, is the state of California going to allow three stadiums to open up? Where could those teams, if they want to play, where are they going to play? Where are they going to live? What are they going to do? To me, that's the story. The virus is the story. I think internally, when you look at these teams, I think there's, a, you know, where does Cam Newton go up? I wrote about this for The Athletic. I mean, look, if Cam Newton were on the Bears, I would bet the Bears on the over of eight, right? But, but I don't like the Bears where they are right now. You know, and, and if Cam Newton went to Pittsburgh, I don't know what kind of shape Ben Roethlisberger's in right now. I mean, Jay Glazer talked about him not being in great shape. So I think that where does Cam go is an interesting conversation because he's better than most of the quarterbacks who they think they are. Is it because of the personality that he has? People are worried bringing that into the locker room. Like, hey, if you're going to be our backup quarterback, you can't be a distraction. Much like the Tim Tebow conversation was, much like the Colin Kaepernick conversation was, now is Cam Newton falling into that where, hey, if you're going to be a backup quarterback, you can't be a distraction. But I don't think he's a backup quarterback. The guy looks better than he's ever looked. He's not a backup quarterback. He's a starter. The problem is if you bring him in, let's say you bring him into Chicago, every player in the Bears locker room is going to gravitate to him. Then Trubisky, the the, the legend of MVP, Mitch, dies. He's, he got no chance to beat him out. If you bring him into Jacksonville, right, if you bring him into Jacksonville, Jacksonville's like, look, we want to we want to lose. We want to tank. We'll sign Mike Leonard, right? Right? I mean, if there ever was an indication a team's trying to tank, like, if there was, like, a profile that you would put – if you follow these eight steps, you can tank. The Jacksonville Jaguars have followed all eight steps. I mean, David Caldwell, the general manager, he's Harry Houdini. I mean, I'm just going to change his name to Harry Houdini because he's a magician. He's had more bad drafts than anybody, and he still has his job. And so they're tanking, so they don't want Cam because if they brought Cam in, they might actually win. Whereas, like, Denver – I get Denver. Like, if Denver brought, brought him in to – that then Drew Locke wouldn't really be the starter. I get that. I mean, the way Locke played the last half of the season, seven touchdown passes, they're five and one. He, he deserves to kind of have a little place. But like the Raiders, I think the Raiders would be interested, but not until after September gets started. So I think the guy's a starting quarterback. I think Pittsburgh would be the ideal place for him because Mike Tomlin could handle him. A and B, big. It might actually get Big Ben's fat ass in shape, knowing he's got cancer right there. Jeez, well, just because Jay Glazer takes a shot at Ben Roethlisberger doesn't know he looks. Have you seen his pictures? 
Yeah, he looks better than he's ever looked in the body. His face looks disgusting. I mean, it looks despicable. It looks bad, too. It looks like I've ate 75 cheeseburgers today. I feel <laughs> it's like, quarantine. Oh, I, it's I'm quarantine. All over, Glazer walked those comments back, Hey, Gla- Glazer said that Roethlisberger reached out to him and said, hey, don't you ever put my <laughs> bet on the, on the internet like that. But this is allegedly the first offseason that Roethlisberger has worked out yeah. in his entire career. Now, granted, it might be because he's being forced to because of rehab. But I think Roethlisberger is going to be good. But Roethlisberger always gets injured at some point because of the way he he plays if you don't have a backup that's ready to go now granted geez that's not a good look for him but if you don't have a backup that's ready to play you automatically have what happened last year which was helmet easy lombardi all right what happens like last year you could easy you get a quarterback that got his helmet ripped off then hitting the head with it i mean i just feel like cam newton to the steelers is a good spot but from what i've been hearing and what we have been told is they want roethlisberger to feel very comfortable going into the season letting it it's 100 percent his team there's no other distractions and stuff like that we'll be intrigued to see what happens with cam uh Mr. Lombardi, is the are the Bills one of those teams where he, if he goes there, he is the better quarterback, but they just don't want to do that because Josh Allen's young? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, everything about – I mean, Josh Allen's career is on the line. I mean, if the Bills don't win this year, it's going to be because of Josh Allen. they got a good team. They're good on defense. They're good in the kicking game. They, they, they've got a really good football team. They've improved. And, and if Josh Allen – now they go to the – from the they, go, they had the 24th easiest schedule last year. So, you know, they're going to upgrade their level of play. That's going to be challenging. And if this kid doesn't make deep throws, you know, I've said this before on your show, he's 7 for 51 on throws over 30 yards. He's 21 for 76 on throws between 20 and 30. The guy can't hit anybody down the field. I mean, what am I? You know, again, he's like MVP Mitch. If he went to the county fair, he ain't winning any stuffed animals. So, you know, that's the problem. And if Josh Allen doesn't do that, I think that's the Bills. The Bills are going to regret passing Lamar Jackson for Josh Allen. Lombardi. It has been said by basically every quarterback that has been worth a damn in this league that accuracy is the number one trait that you need for a quarterback. Yes, it'd be great if he's tall and can throw the ball forever and he's athletic, but accuracy is the number one trait for sustained success in the NFL as a quarterback. Is that something you can learn and work on, or is it just like you either got it or you don't? I mean, it's like playing darts. Like, you can't get better at playing darts, right? You either have eye-hand coordination to hit the target or you don't. And, and I mean – you know, you can practice shooting free throws and all that stuff, but it, it, it's required. I, I mean, I, I, that was my biggest problem with Josh Allen coming out in the draft. See, when you watch Lamar Jackson play, yeah, he wasn't perfectly accurate, but on deep throws, he was really good. If you watch Louisville play the year he won the Heisman, he was very good on deep balls down the field. So what you're saying about that is you're saying, okay, you know, here you go. You, you know, we're going to hit a couple home runs with this guy. I mean, think about the play. When you were in Indianapolis, when you're playing Baltimore on the road in that playoff game, it's third and eight, and Peyton hits oh, yeah. that throw to 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 to, uh, DJ, to Clark to Dallas, Dallas Clark, Dallas, yeah. and the window was a pee hole. <laughs> it was that small, right? Yeah. And he got the ball right there. First down, we win the game. He doesn't make a good throw there. You might not win that game. That's accuracy. That you got to have that. That's what. I, that's why I don't think Josh Allen or MVP Mitch are ever going to be good players because they don't have that trait. They don't have that ability. Okay, last question before we let you go. I appreciate every time you come on here. I feel like I get smarter in the football world. Let's talk about Bill Belichick and that interview he had with Rich Eisen schedule release night. Rich Eisen and Bill Belichick are an Emmy-nominated duo. Okay, Mm -hmm. Those two are an Emmy-nominated duo. I think Bill has opened up more to him than anybody else in the history of the thing. So whenever Rich asked him about Jared Stidham being the quarterback going forward, and Bill obviously dances around 
around, and he says, well, he likes all four quarterbacks in there, including Lamar and I believe a guy named Pat is in there. Uh, well. Jamar Smith and Brian Lewerke. Jamar, yeah, there we go. His name wasn't Pat, but all four <laughs> quarterbacks in there. And then he was he, he even said, you never know what's going to happen down the road. Is there – what – does that mean from is he going to sign another quarterback? Does he legitimately not know who's going to be a starting quarterback, or is he just not saying anything so that nobody knows anything? I think I think that's right. I don't think he's going to say anything. I think he's going to try to give Jarrett Sidham every opportunity. But I think once this once this pandemic, we can actually start to travel. I do think they will have an interest in Cam Newton. They should, right? They should have an interest in Cam Newton because one of Belichick's greatest strengths are I'm going to buy low, sell high. Right? I'm going to buy low, sell high. Cam Newton is the ultimate Warren Buffett investment. Buy him right now. He's at a very low value. You know, he's got MVP qualities within him. So, but the problem with the Patriots are what no one seems to really want to talk about is they've got over 25 million of dead cap money because of Antonio Brown, because of Tom Brady, because of Steven Guskowski. They've got a lot of dead money. So they're really tight on the cap. And until they do Joe Tooney's contract or redo it, they're really going to have a problem signing anybody. So you're the first person, by the way, who has any ties to the Patriots saying that there's a chance they look into Cam Newton. I wrote about it on Friday in the athletic column. I think there's a chance. No, you got to write great. about that on Monday. Hey, <laughs> Friday, nobody reads a damn thing. Friday, ain't nobody see. You got to write about that on Monday, Mike, so we can talk about it all week. I apologize. I, 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 I'll get better. I, I'll try to get better. I apologize. <laughs> Would they be better? Cam Newton goes to the Patriots. Are they a force? And if they figure out the contract, figure out the money somehow. I don't know how they would. And he's healthy. Yes. And he's healthy. They'll do exactly what Cam does really well. Then they're real. You know. I mean, look. This is a guy who's averaged a hundred rushes in two of ever, other than just two seasons. One he was hurt, I think, three years ago. I mean, he throws it down the field. He can run for first downs. He can make big plays. He's tough to defend. You know, people say, well, he won't fit with the Patriots way. I, I think he will. I mean, I think the guy's a really good player. Me you know, too. people say, well, he's not a starter. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's not a starter, and everybody thinks Andy Dalton is. Or Whoa! Oh, I'm mean, against on, Andy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he has three Super Bowl rings, a wealth of knowledge. You can read him at The Athletic. You can listen to him at the GM Shuffle and the Lombardi line on VSIN Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. You're the best. Hey, let's not put your best article out on Friday (laughs) on the internet. I mean, that's when they posted. I submitted it on Thursday. Look, I don't know. I mean, you know, what do I do? I just, I write it and I give it to them. Whatever they do with it, they do with it. (laughs) That was the most. I can't control. It's not that I can control. That was the most Italian thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Paisan. What am I going to do? Paisan, Michael Lombardi. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the guests. And thank you. We're getting through this damn thing together. I do feel as if the sun is at the end of the tunnel there. You get it. Light. If there's no sun, there's no light. I was right. Bingo. Nailed it. We'll see you on Thursday. If you like the show, tell a friend. If not, you know, see you later. Ty, please play some independent music.